Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LeBoy. I'm the proud host of this show. Today, I've got Brant Daughtry and Cam Berry with me. We'll also hear from TP Hammock in hour number three. Uh, as uh, Today on the show, we've got several things planned. We're certainly going to talk about some of the layoffs at ESPN, some very notable names being laid off today. Uh, we've seen a couple rounds of layoffs at ESPN that have affected more of the production standpoint and more of the background stuff, but today we're seeing on-air talent of many, many years be let go. So we're going to discuss some of those uh, and the changes going on at ESPN. A little bit later in the show today, around the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to have a below, even with, or above expectations with some of the Atlanta Braves as they get uh, set for game number 81 tonight, halfway point of the Major League Baseball season. So we'll get our thoughts on a lot of these guys. And spoiler alert, a lot of them are going to be at least even with expectations. Many of them will be above expectations uh, for the season this year. If, we'll, if we have time, we'll have a what to watch for over the weekend. And we'll certainly have birthdays and sports and nightly TV guide as we always do. Again, Ryan, Brant, and Cam with you here this afternoon. Brant, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. Happy to be here. Uh, having a good Friday. Glad it's Friday. Um, and looking forward to the show. We, uh, we've talked about the Braves a little bit, but I'm looking forward to devoting an hour or so to just talking about how good this team is and how fun they've been to watch. So I'm really looking forward to that on today's show. And like I said, happy it's Friday. Maybe a, a chance for a weird weather pop-up uh, that we're kind of keeping an eye out for right now. But other than that, it's a clear sky and a really warm day. And, you know, it feels like it feels like June 30th, you know. So I'm happy, to, happy that things are going okay. Yeah, it's been uh, very hot today. Uh, there's only about a five or ten percent coverage area of uh, of a chance of rain today, and uh, I'm going to break the news that we are the five or ten percent. If you're driving around the area, there's a severe thunderstorm warning out for uh, this area in the in Lee County. So it's about to be a significant thunderstorm roll through. So a very small small chance on a day like today, but on a day like today, this is our day, and so most of the state dry, but we're about to see some thunderstorms here. We are safe and sound in the studio though. Cam Barry also joins us for the first couple of hours. I think Montgomery's going to be okay. Yeah, they're going to be on the way to Biscuits game. Montgomery is very clear. You have no idea what we're talking about if you're in Montgomery Sweet. right now. It is, it is free and clear. But how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, excited to to go watch the uh, Biscuits game. Um, I've been to Riverwalk Stadium to watch an Auburn-Alabama uh, game a, a while back um, when they kind of still played played there and did that every once in a while. But uh, I, I'm excited to be able to watch a Biscuits game and kind of hang out and uh, I got some tickets, so going with some friends and should be a good time. 
Um, but I'm doing great. Yeah, definitely ready to talk about, you know, some of these ESPN layoffs and just kind of my just give my thoughts on not only how this is, you know, going to affect ESPN as a whole or why they're doing this, but also how it fa- affects, you know, just overall the industry in general um, when it comes to commentators and, and analysts and and different things like that. So uh, definitely intrigued and, and interested in how um, this is going to, to play out. Um, and yeah, the Braves are really good. I, I won't be able to partake in that discussion, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll definitely, you know, tune in as I'm, as I'm driving, uh, to hear you guys talk about it, um, and, and give your thoughts, um, and NBA free agency starting today. So that, that'll be really exciting. Got some players already seem to be rumored to be on the move. Um, and, uh, just got to wait and see. It starts officially at five o'clock central, six o'clock Eastern, um so we're just we'll just see man i'm excited though yeah we might have a splash of that for you yeah. before we uh send you on your way to some uh some biscuits baseball so uh we'll probably hit that at some point today too uh as you're right uh again the most uh, kind of dramatic off season continues yeah. when you think about the three leagues and how much player movement this year with the nba it's not in terms of the actual free agents available more than it is the potential trades that are right. coming and that sort of thing, but uh, we'll hit on that a little bit later. But let's start with again the big ne- uh, big news today, which is the the vast amount of on air talent uh, departing from ESPN, and and uh, woke up to this news today. There's almost too many people now to count. I mean, there's people that if you watch ESPN a lot, you're going to be incredibly familiar with on all kind of sides of the coverage. It kind of began. This morning, I think the first couple big names were Jeff Van Gundy yeah. uh, being ousted, Max Kellerman, who's obviously been kind of a polarizing figure. If you're a sports fan, you watch the, the content. He's certainly produced content, but he's out. Some of the other big ones throughout the day, Jalen Rose off the NBA coverage, Keyshawn Johnson, who's been a part of the oh, NFL I coverage. I didn't see Keyshawn. Um, that's yep. surprising. Uh, Susie Colber, who I did, has been didn't know about uh, her. Uh, anchoring coverage of the NFL for for twenty plus years, uh, and then there's some others. A big one, Todd McShay. Todd McShay. Yeah, that one's that yeah. one's bizarre to me because yeah. like, I know ESPN has a million draft analysts, but that's the, the big he one. Was, he was the He's number two the one guy. Hyper, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he, I, I hate guy. to treat it like a franchise deal, but it's like, well, how many more years is Kuiper going to go? And right. <laughs> McShay can go X amount of time longer because right, he's X sure. amount of time younger. younger. And Absolutely. So there's a lot of big decisions today. There's also some personnel like Matt Hasselback of NFL Countdown is out. Lafonso uh, Ellis. Lafonso Ellis from College Basketball's yeah. coverage. That one he, sucks. You touched I'm, on, not, I'm not happy about that one. Steve touched, Young. Yeah. You touched uh, on Jalen Rose as well. Jaylen like Rose, I know everybody loves Jalen Rose, right? Like, I don't know. Do you guys take weird. it wherever you want to? What what people personalities want to bring up? What are you most disappointed by? I don't I don't know if there's anybody that I'm like just devastated to see going. I, I just think it's weird that you have all these beloved personalities, if not beloved, then at least well known. Um and I think it's also very interesting that it's coming on the heels of you've paid Pat McAfee eighty five million dollars to to sign with right. you. So I, I are is and I, I know McAfee is a brand unto himself at this point, and, and certainly what he's doing is different and certainly desirable. But is it really? You know, I'm not saying it's a one to one connection, but is it really worth laying off all these people that have been a part of your brand for so long? Like they, a, uh, I can't remember the young, the not young, but the woman's name, but she's been at ESPN for nearly Susie Colbert. Susie, yeah, Susie yeah. Colbert. She's been there for nearly 30 years, and 
and now she's gone. And it's just ESPN's been kind of gutting itself slowly over the past five or six years. And this is kind of the first time we've seen super well-known personalities uh, get oust. Yeah, so I, I'm just uh, – there's definitely some certain ones. You know, I knew Max Kellerman probably wasn't going to be on ESPN too, too much longer, you know, after his issues being on first take with Stephen A and then getting his own show with Dish Just In. And I don't – that show just isn't that good to me. It's basically the same thing if uh, as, you know, maybe first take or uh, get up which is uh, Mike Greenberg's show in the morning. So, like, it's basically the same rendition of that. Um, I don't like, you know, the the firing of LaFonso Ellis. That one I'm not a fan of at all. Uh, Really good, really knowledgeable basketball. I mean, former basketball player, really smart guy. Um, I thought he brought a lot to the table with with college uh, college basketball game day, um, so not having him a part of that is is definitely um, it definitely sucks. And I, I met him uh, when they came to Auburn, and I mean he's a really cool dude, really kind guy, and um, so that that one's disappointing for sure. Jalen Rose as well, really disappointed in that. Another guy who's really knowledgeable about the game, not much of a hot take guy, really really is smart about how he analyzes basketball. And, and having him on NBA Countdown and um, just his different shows. I enjoyed having him on Jalen and Jacoby, even though that show kind of got moved to like an ESPN Plus type of situation uh, where it was initially on ESPN2, got replaced with this just in. Um, and so different things like that it is disappointing to see. I didn't like the firing of Jeff Van Gundy either. Honestly, I like, you know, he's a, he's a polarizing guy as well when it comes to commentators. I liked him. I thought he brought a unique thing when he was commentating games. Sure, he would get off topic sometimes, but I didn't mind that as much. I thought he would always bring a unique perspective. He always tied in his coaching style. And, yeah, he would complain about, like, some of the different things about the game of today. But, again, I didn't mind it as much because, you know, he – again, it's a unique perspective. He's not – it's not the same old, same old of, of any other, you know, guy. I, I appreciated what he did. Um, and he was, he was outspoken on the things that he felt, um, the game needed to change the things that needed to, to stay the st- stay the same. And I was, I was big on different things like that. So I enjoyed his commentating style. Um, and maybe some people didn't, but, and hopefully, you know, seeing him on TNT I, or hopefully he will land with TNT and be able to continue to commentate games. I, w- I would like to, to have him a part of that, uh, with his brother Stan and, and just kind of have them rock out. Um, and so, yeah, the, those three guys for sure um, are definitely three names where I was like, man. And then Keyshawn Johnson as well. Maybe not. A, that one's not as surprising. But, again, a former wide receiver, former NFL player, I thought he did pretty decent on NFL Live. And I know that there's, sh- you know, the show with Max and Keyshawn and, and Jay Will flopped. But um, on NFL Live, he brought this. He still brought quality um um, analysis to the game um so it, you know different guys like that i'm you know disappointed that espn decided to let these guys go and and then you know keep the likes of somebody who's a hot take person like like kendrick perkins and it, it know, always it, it everybody seems to be coming back to well 
all these people are gone, but Kendrick Perkins Big is But Kendrick, bro, it doesn't make sense, bro. Like, it doesn't. Everybody hates Kendrick it's, Perkins. It, it's, it's, I don't even hate It's not even that. It's just like he just doesn't break down the game as well, and he doesn't get his he's, – he's not – he, he doesn't get his information from straight from a source or anything like that. Like, you know, you see all these Twitter accounts, you know, he, that make he gets fake, fake posts. He gets, he gets fake tweeted gets, all the time. Yeah, he gets he gets caught by these fake twi- Twitter posts all the time. And it's just like, it's very funny. man, you know, you're not taking the time to verify your information. And you probably have the best source of that information right at your disposal. So you're getting your information from Twitter. Whereas, you know, guys like Jalen Rose, guys like, you know, LaFonzo Ellis break down the game and, and they don't just they do their research. They do these things. And so that's kind of what disappoints me um, is that you're keeping guys like like hot day guys like that. Guys that are just kind of like going to get you to go get get your inter- um, your views and, and your, your clicks and all that to go viral. Whereas these players that. Uh, or these guys that aren't, you know, maybe as popular, but they're doing a good job. They do good work. And I think that's the most disappointing thing about it. Yeah, I think, look, and this can get into a bigger bigger conversation where sports media yeah. is, oh, where man, talk show stuff that. is, <laughs> is they, they fired a mixture of people today. Okay, so yeah. they didn't take a firm stance on, on this. They... They fired some people like Max Kellerman, who seemed to really alienate some people and anger some people. Uh, they fired someone like Lafonso Ellis, who I don't know how anyone would have been overly angry about Lafonso Ellis. Yeah. And I know that those are, uh, you know, Keller's more wider encompassing and that sort of thing than than Lafonso just mainly does college basketball. But uh, you know, they're you know someone like uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Who again? I don't know. I, I didn't. I don't watch a lot of ESPN's breakdown stuff because I, I like to tread through right. the hot take for sure. stuff for and sure. <laughs> that sort of thing. But I didn't feel like he was overly hot takey or anything like that. Uh, as you said, did a fine job. Someone like McShay is just befuddling to yeah, me. That was surprising. I, I don't. It I is. don't. I either it, having to fire either him or Kuiper would have been equally befuddling to me. Um, McShay because he has been the younger face of the draft for the last decade plus and and seems to have a lot a lot of years left ahead of him breaking down the draft seems like for all the world he does a good job i mean like these people you do it long enough they're going to get things right and wrong like like kuiper has done a a lot of great things he's also been dead wrong on people before and so if they'd fired kuiper it would be like wow thanks for 30 something years of being one of these like flagship flagship draft guys and then ousting him too so either one to me would have been would have been shocking but uh like they've they've kind of knocked on the door of all departments i can't really think of anything major baseball them because they'd already kind of cleaned some baseball guys out right like they don't have like they used to do i think every sunday night or ever or maybe even every night they used to do like a baseball tonight Uh, they they used to do it all summer long yep and now they only kind of do it in like pre-game coverage for for their Sunday night Absolutely. baseball. So they already had kind of axed that part of it for their, there's not many people left to do baseball. They don't have a bunch of midweek games anymore, only very sparingly. And so otherwise they took guys out. They took people out of basketball. They took people out of football. They took people out of sports. And they're like Ashley Brewer was, was asked one of the, the sports center anchors. Right. Uh, they didn't renew. Oh, this wasn't they let today. go of Ashley. Yeah. They let go of Ashley Brewer today. See, there's more people. They don't even realize, uh, <sighs> 
I, I think that also you've got to throw someone like uh, Neil Everett into it because he oh, was man. didn't get. Yep. Resi- I mean, it's not news today. It was news a few weeks right. ago, but he's not coming Did, back. Didn't resign Vince uh, Carter, another right. person who's good at breaking down the game. Right uh, again, just and, and knowledgeable so all, people. It's all walks of it. It's some hot take people. It's some some normal take people. It's basketball people, football people, uh, sports center people. There was a radio fits. Uh, uh, Fitz got ousted today. But Jason Fitz, what's his uh, name? Uh, Jason Fitz that okay. does the ESPN radio was was fired. So there's one on the radio side uh, that that was uh, doing a lot of stuff again. And I think we're done. I haven't seen any more in the last yeah. hour or two. So maybe that's it for the day. Right. But that's again. I I think that's double digit. It's 15 or so people uh, that all had these major roles and. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, and I say major too because you say, well, isn't everyone that's on TV major to a Ooh, degree? Yeah. But like it was, they didn't, <laughs> no. didn't fire the betting people, right? You know, and like betting has been a growing industry. So I, I'm not, I'm not posturing right. around, but you fire these people. I'm just saying, like, those are, are the shows that they're becoming more popular, but still, like, I, not as many people are going to know the betting show people right. than they are the, the morning the main, show people, yeah. for example. For so, sure. So I, I, all this to say, um, I don't want to go through every individual yet. I think that's a part of it. We might do that a little bit later. But before we go to break, the commentary on where TV is, where these personalities are. For level-headed people, you want to be uh, informed. You want to gain more knowledge, gain yeah. a, a, a better, more thoughtful perspective. That's the whole kind of concept of having all these color analysts and all these people that actually coached and played because they, in theory, will be able to give you more because they were in the locker room, they know the X's and O's, they had to be a part of the X's and O's. That is is the whole reason we do this. That's the whole reason that those people are on for their unique perspective. But if they are going to say wild things that the average person is not going to believe – that are just like that are all kind of bias motivated at times right or and that can be good and bad and and that sort of thing then it gets into this thing where the level-headed people all of a sudden are not liking these people or not watching these people now the problem is is this hot take factory stuff it usually gets more eyeballs it does because it you can't views. help yourself nope. you have <laughs> to go disprove something you know, it's like if someone's goes on air, I, I'll use, let me use both angles of a of an NBA conversation since we're still in the NBA. Or no, let's do an NFL conversation, make it re- more relatable to the audience. It's like if someone goes on air and tries to logically explain like why Brady's not the greatest of all time, okay. Let's 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 talk this out. Give me why, you know, Montana or or, or whatever you've got yeah. as, as being greater than Brady. Fine. Right. But if you then parlay that into the other side of it is no, you know, I don't think Brady's top ten of all time. And right. you know, I really think he was just carried and blah I think blah he was blah just blah. In blah. You, system, right. You're gonna yeah. lose a lot of ears. But then Everyone and their brother's going to come tr- tell you why you're long. So that's engagement. Right. Like you've technically won. It's like all press is good press yep. in some of these people's minds and in these ratings minds and that sort of thing because you want to see what you can be smarter than these people that are yeah. supposed to be smarter than you. Right? right. And it's such a disappointing dynamic because I, again, like I'm, I'm, I know that I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I do have a confidence in my ability to at least – 
portray my thoughts and right. give you why I believe what I believe. And I think that I do look at it at a, a pretty decent way at the end of the day. So if I'm going to watch these other people, I don't want to be maddened by things that seem like they're somehow beneath me. Because in my mind, it's like if you're on ESPN, you should know absolutely right. what you're talking about. And I can, I'm going to get mad at the end of the day if these people – are saying unbelievable things that like 5% of the populace 100%. is going to believe. 100%. And so it takes the level he- it's it's like it's a it's a self-fulfilling prophecy where they continually scare the people that are level level-headed away in favor of trying to gain more people that just want to argue and are are there for the show not for the analysis. Right. Um, so I don't know if how if some of the, the the hot take personalities you guys like, or if you do watch any of it, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, like I, if you were if you had to fire fifteen to twenty people a day, and then, look, I don't want anyone to lose their job, period. Absolutely but if you not. told me like Ryan, twenty people have to go, then my perfect world fires all the hot take people because <laughs> right. like let's actually get the analysis part yeah. of it right rather right. than. And it's not even like I have to agree with all the analysis. I'm not saying, well, you just want the guys that you that you agree with all the time. Well, no, that's not necessarily true either. Like someone like Michael Wilbon, I don't agree with all the time, but I really but respect I love, his perspective. Yes. I love Wilbon. He's and one of my favorite I, right. people. And I'm not a huge fan um, of, uh, of uh, Tony. Tony Kornheiser, yeah, sure. Not, you, but you know? I appreciate their perspective. They've exactly. done it for a very long time yes. in a format, format that makes sense. And so like – even though if you go through the rundown, I might disagree two or three times in the show. It's like they're not trying to start something for the hell of it. They're not going yeah. wild. They just have a different perspective. That's fine. We all have different perspectives. Our callers that we welcome on this show have different perspectives. And that's great at the end of the day. And we're always going to be respectful about listening to Absolutely. different perspectives. It's necessary. But if you're yelling at me because either you don't even believe what you're saying, you're just yelling for ratings, or you're yelling with things that are just fundamentally flawed, then that does not interest me at the end of the day. And so this whole layoff system, I feel, has been part of the lack of identity they've had with trying to have one hand in the analysis jar and one hand in the hot take jar. And it's been going that way ever since Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith Split started that show yeah, uh, 10, 15 years ago. Yep. That is, it has been going down that road ever since and getting worse and worse to the point where at that time – People would have told you that Stephen A. Smith was one of the more radical or louder and yeah. people on the network, and now he's like in the middle for that. Like he's for not sure. even close to one of the most no. obnoxious people on that network. And so, uh, heck, they bring on Mad Dog Russo, and I don't think oh, he said. I don't think the the, the voice dude. level I'm using right now does not oh, exist for Christopher Russo. Like the, he cannot hit this calm of a demeanor right now. Oh, he's got to go like, hey, can you believe this? Blah 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 blah. And it's just, it's not. Good, it's not, not good, good stuff it's at not, the end of the day. It's, it's not, not. so it's any not. any fill in any thoughts any any concern. I don't know what 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 else do you think about all this? For me, it feels like you said dip one hand in the analysis jar, dip one hand in the hot, hot take, take jar. For me, it's kind of ESPN is kind of trying to decide if it wants to be like you said sports analysis or if it wants to be entertainment. You know how how much does it want to appeal from a hey, this is fun to watch for the casual viewer rather than this is fun to watch for the sports fan. They're, they're trying to grow their market beyond sports fans, I feel, sometimes. Uh, and I just, I don't want to do that. You know, I feel right. like it's perfectly fine to be entertaining. I, I mean, we, we do a sports talk show. We're for sports fans, but we also want to be entertaining, uh, but also 100%. educational. And when you start 
deciding that you would rather focus more on entertainment than actual analysis, you kind of lose what got you there. I, I mean, exactly. it, I agree. It, it, when when you try to change your brand 100%. from something that is what got you to where you are to try and appeal to a larger audience, you're going to alienate your longtime fan base, and you're going you're going to start appealing to the lowest common denominator, right? You're going to appeal to the people that. Yeah, they may watch, but are they the people you want watching? And and if you're ESPN, you may say, yeah, absolutely. We, we want everybody right. watching. It doesn't matter. And right. if it's, it doesn't matter viewership if... Viewership is viewership. Yeah, it doesn't matter if everybody is not really a sports fan. It doesn't matter if everybody is as dumb as rocks. It, but as long as their eyeballs are on the screen, then ESPN decides that it doesn't matter. But from a sports fan perspective, I, I think I'm pretty educated about most sports. Right. Um, some people may disagree. I don't know. But <laughs> with the the perspective of that, I, I go, man, there's just not a whole lot of ESPN for me right now. Yeah. For for me, the sports fan, other than the live events that they carry, and that's why I still have cable, so I can watch live sports. That's about all. That's about all the TV I watch at this point. Um, but it, to to me, that feels disappointing. Yeah, it, it is disappointing that they're kind of you know half and half and you're right about just thinking about because i was thinking about Stephen a as you were just kind of having your you know you were saying your things ryan i used to hate Stephen a and now i actually really (laughs) like that so like i have you know he used to be the super kind of almost hot take guy all the time but i don't mind Stephen a as much because he can he has found the He's found the good middle ground. He can articulate. He's, he can. He's he really can. He's has. He has. Uh, since the show has become kind of really like really become his own, he's really he'll still you know do the analysis part of it. Really break down the game. You can tell he understands what he's talking about. But then sometimes he'll fire off something ridiculous, and it's like, well, okay. <laughs> but it's fine because that gets the engagement. Okay, and then they'll watch the show and they'll say, oh, well, he's actually educated. It's totally understandable. That's fine. But when you're just spewing out garbage every time and you're not really throwing out anything educational and, you know, it it is disappointing when, you know, I used to watch shows like First Take. I used to enjoy watching shows that break down things. Like I still enjoy NFL Live. Um, I don't as much like NBA on ESPN anymore as much. I I don't know just how it's changed. I don't love it. Um, You know, but they canceled good shows. I felt like Jalen and Jacoby was quality. I felt like, um, um, oh, what is this show? Highly questionable. You know, when they kind of changed yeah, Dan, their, Dan Levitard when, was so good. Right, Dan, and I, I like Dan Levitard. Letting, letting him go was a massive you mistake, know, that I was think. That was a bummer. But also just as they kind of pivoted and made the show a little bit different and kind of cleaned it up just a little bit. Like in, in the early shows, I did not like Highly Questionable at the beginning. But kind of on the back end of when they, when they really did actual analysis and it was still entertaining, that was a quality show. Still enjoy PTI with Wilbon and Kornheiser. Mm-hmm still like around the horn because it's guys breaking down and doing knowledge, giving their takes. They get points giving, for like yes, the quality of not, thought. Yeah. That yes. They have. Not giving hot takes, but giving quality takes, yeah. educational things where Back, they're backing, their backing their perspective up yes, with facts. That's exactly that's a great premise for <laughs> a joke. Greatest thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's just things like that where I, I enjoy those kind of things. 
Um, you know, and I also think this all kind of ESPN obviously being owned by Disney. I think Disney's stock is dropping, so that has a little bit to do with obviously the layoffs as well, um, and and the issues that they have going down in Florida and all that stuff. So um, their stock is just you know dropping, uh, you know, over the last like five or six years. So that, you know, I think that absolutely is playing a part in affecting ESPN as a whole. So. Um, obviously it's a lot that's going into it and they're probably just having to shed these larger contracts with all of these personalities. Like I know, you know, Stephen A. Smith is the highest paid employee at ESPN, but I'm sure Max Kellerman was not, you know, I think I read about 5 million. Yeah. 5 million. Exactly. Like not too, too far behind him. Um, so, you know, you, you got to shed money like that. The guys that are getting paid as much, as much as that. So, you know it's understandable, but it is disappointing as a whole um, that they are letting it go. Some of these, some of these guys that are really enjoyable to watch. Um, so I, I do hope they figure it out. And then with the Pat McAfee coming in, that's going to be an interesting dynamic because he is very different in how he covers his media. Um, you know how he covers sports and just has his conversation. So it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I think that two o'clock hour is when his show is going to be um that that where uh max kellerman's show was so uh we'll we'll absolutely have to see how that plays out um so yeah i mean just overall it is just it is disappointing because i miss this i miss the espn of old like the older version of espn growing up and watching that and all the great commercials and all the great you know analysis all the guys breaking down sports center everything that they had uh so now it's just it's just very different it's very different and it, it's taking some real adjusting i think mcafee is kind of the a, a microcosm of what espn has gone through right. when he left the nfl and started doing his own thing i loved his show i i really really enjoyed his show and the way he did it because he was an analyst and he gave kind of an inside look to the NFL in particular, but he was still entertaining. He himself was just a funny guy. I feel like I started listening to his show, I think in 2018, 2019, something like that. Um, But as his show continued, it turned less into analysis with an entertaining figure and more into that entertainment aspect of it. And I compare it to, to, to professional wrestling. And McAfee does too. I mean, he he's uh, he's got a contract with the WWE. Talked about for a long time how much he loved wrestling. But it's kind of at what point do you go from entertaining while you're talking about sports to sports entertainment? Uh, and I feel like ESPN is kind of heading down that way too. And now that they've signed McAfee to this multi-million dollar contract, uh, it's it's kind of heading that way. Yeah, it's it's again it's. Again, pretty disheartening because I, I we're talking about ESPN. I go through the list at Fox too. It's like there that is the same stuff kind of stuff yep. over there. Yeah, there absolutely. are some loud oh, people gosh, over there man. that are now, very. I don't watch anything on right. Fox. I mean, because one of the most I, I tell you what I didn't even realize because the most polarizing. Well, there's Skip Bayless, the most po- polarizing, but the second most polarizing uh, at Fox is Colin Cowherd, and yeah. I didn't even realize that that oh, beast. Yeah. While he was doing Sports Nation with Absolutely. ESPN, I didn't even realize yep. the potential of his hot takeness because I, I love Sports Nation right. for a long time. I did too, um, man. And so because they were trying to involve fans, they do Gosh, fan votes and that sort of stuff. So and good. That man. was a good show. It was a good and show. And Cal I, I liked at that time. Since going to Fox and having his own show and that sort of thing, it's just it's like, hey, let's run through 
Lakers, Cowboys. Uh, let's run through the biggest three brands in all the sports over and over and over again. How can we work in all the big brands? How can we work in a – if we're having a college football discussion, does anyone out, outside of Ohio State and Alabama exist? The answer is no for nope. Cowher or nope. USC now because yep. of because uh, of California. Oh, my gosh, look at Lincoln Riley. Look at all these championships right. he's won. Spoiler alert, he's not won any. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the thing is is that some of those – People over there do the, the exact same thing. They, I guess they have a couple that are still good. They do a little less unique I, programming yeah. than, say, ESPN does. They have a yeah. few less shows in don't, totality. Don't like any of the shows with Acho. The oh, Ema- Emmanuel Acho. Yeah, the speak, whatever it is, speak something, speak your, speak your speak, mind. Speak, I, I think it's just called speak or something like yeah. that. Uh, don't don't like it. Not yeah. a good show. Because again, like, I, does, not a fan you, of LaShawn <laughs> McCoy and how he breaks down the game. Just none of them. Yeah. None. You, you said Skip Bayless is a polarizing figure. Is he? Because I feel like polarizing. No one's on his side. Yeah, yeah. P- polarizing means you, you've got a lot of people on either side. I don't know anybody who likes Skip Bayless. <laughs> I don't. Know. I, yeah, I, Skip uh, Lil Wayne. People, people love <laughs> Lil Wayne. Likes him. The thing with well, I like Lil Wayne. The thing with Skip Bayless is people hate him, but they also love to hate him. Yeah, no, he, that's he's, what makes he's him great, such good television. He's great rage bait. But apparently, he used to be a really good writer. And he used to really be like a quality sports guy, like when before kind of ESPN. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he used to really, really be somebody good, incredible. Now, obviously, it's LeBron, Cowboys, Tom Brady. Even though Tom Brady's retired, he, he so he's kind of backed off that a little bit. Um, the Spurs sometimes, but really, it was when the Spurs were good and Tim Duncan, and um, that's about it. <laughs> Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today before we take our first break. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free. one 888 9 First on the show today. Luke from Alex City. Luke joins us. Luke, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you all today? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, just wanted to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, I didn't know this till the other day. I'm not a big Max Kellerman fan. Uh, I, I didn't like his takes. I didn't like uh, He always seemed to be a hot take guy. But he actually came up with the idea for Around the Horn. I thought it was that Tony Reale guy who's the host, but it was Max Kellerman's idea, and he was the initial host. And then secondly, uh, you were talking about Dan Levitard, who I also love their show a lot. I love their show because, uh, you know, the Stu Gatz factor of it brought a lot of entertainment, and he was sort of like an everyman sports fan. But the problem with Levitard, he was actually on, uh, there was a clip that he posted the day where he was talking to a cohort, and he was going on about ESPN a little bit and said, you know, he got to a point in ESPN where he couldn't, what his words were, uh, his silence anymore. And he says, I just, he said, I'm not real political, but I talk about race about all the time. And that is what I think turned a lot of people off about him. It's kind of like Jamel Hill. I think Jamel Hill has a lot of interesting things from time to time, but she can't get off. Uh, the, the race aspect, which, again, yeah. if you agree with her or don't agree with her, I'm not saying she's right or wrong. I'm just saying that it gets, when you're, when you're dealing with sports sometimes, people don't want to interject that into every aspect of it because it is an escape. And I think that's one thing Dan Levitard did really at every turn. Um, every time there was any kind of incident, uh, he was all over it, and he spent most of the week on it, no matter what was going on in the world of sports which I think turns the people off and eventually turned ESPN off. 
Now, I think his, his, his show, which is much more local now in Miami, is doing pretty well, but um, it's certainly not the same day, and there's probably no doubt he's getting paid less than he would have been if he were being paid by ESPN. But uh, I think some of these guys being fixed out is, is a long time coming. I don't know. I, I drive every morning, and so I have to hear some of these shows. But, but Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Matt show was just, was just awful. Uh, it felt like they were trying to do what Colin Cowherd does, but the problem is Cowherd's actually on the West Coast talking about the Lakers and the Rams and, and USC, and he mixes in a little college football, and, and especially a lot of NFL, like you said, Dallas. But for them, for the uh, those three guys to try and talk to the Lakers first thing in the morning on the East Coast, it just wasn't moving the meter, I don't think. And um, it, it was a tough show to listen to. But I've always enjoyed Colin Cowherd, too. I, I hated to see him leave ESPN, but he had a sense that ESPN was crumbling a little bit, and he went over to Fox. But I always remember his interview, if you remember his interview with uh, Paul Feinbaum back, uh, I think it was 2014, he said there, would be, there was no doubt in his mind Gus Malzahn would run Nick Saban out of the SEC. And, uh, I mean, I just always thought that was a funny comment because you talk about hot takes. And I guess it depends on who makes it, because that's about as hard a thing as you could have that fell on its face, but people still seem to listen to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, look, I think that uh, as the debate we were having, you know, there's obviously always going to be things that uh, we dis- disagree on and, and that sort of thing. But when you're starting to bring in uh, certainly politics, which is there's there's entire channels devoted to that at the end of the day for, for all side of the equation. Look, some of it, it, sometimes it can be relevant for sure, but if it's constant and that sort of thing, that's not what the vast majority of, uh, of sports fans are going to look at. And then on the agreement and disagreement type of thing, again, how you present your point is also relevant. And sometimes these guys very loudly proclaim that they for sure know what's going on and there's no doubt that anyone else uh, no chance anyone else could be right on topics, and that's always not uh, not a great, or it can be a non-starter for people sometimes too. Yeah, you know that's why I think having two guys on that show with Levitard, who obviously Levitard is very educated, and very knowledgeable. Uh, Steve Gott is a guy who just sort of seems like a man on the street, just being there, and he loves the jet. Uh, he seems to. It seems to kind of like the Miami Hurricanes, I guess, because he lives in Miami. He likes the heat, I guess. But uh, he just seems like, you know, Joe Everyman. And he sort of mellows the show out a little bit. Because uh, otherwise, it, without him there, I think that show would be even more more polarizing than it is. And, and it's a shame because I think they have some of the more interesting dates that aren't necessarily hot takes. Sure. Yeah, no, I, uh, I remember watching that show a good bit i know cam mentioned it uh too is really liking that show but uh, yeah again the the personnel they've been they've been making decisions that have been interesting dating back well before this i think this is more this is becoming more of a culmination event yeah. than just a a uh, a changing of, of yeah. philosophy that sort of thing and one final thing i don't watch the nba on a pretty regular basis I and mean, i'm doing a little more now than i have in the past but um your new NBA lead broadcasters for ESPN, I think, will be Doris Burke and Kendrick Perkins to let that take. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want I no part of Perkins. Want I, zero part of that. I, I, uh, I, I'm honestly, I'm good with Doris Burke. Yeah, I'm cool uh, with Doris. I, I'm full. I'm cool with that. Uh, and I don't know if she'll be bumped up to A team or not. They might just go Mike Breen and and Mark Jackson for the A team and keep Doris with Mark Jones or something like that. But yeah, no, I don't want more Kendrick Perkins in my life. I'm I'm good there. That 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 mute has been executed on Twitter, and I I don't I don't need that. All right, guys, have a good one. You too, Luke. That is Luke from Alex City joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take a timeout. We've been going straight to it today on this uh, Friday edition of Sports Call. First time out of the show. We'll be back with more right after this. Call has been on the air since 1995. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Cam Berry with you. About to do birthdays and sports. Got another casualty, though. We had not, we'd gone a couple yes. hours without one. Thought, <laughs> casualty? Dude. No, I, it's serious, bro. I, I'm serious. Serious. It, it, casualty, it is, man. but just putting it like that. I mean, it's true. He's um, not surviving. This one's probably maybe as relevant as any of the ones we've said for our listener. David Pollock yep. has been ousted by ESPN, so he will no longer be a part of the. Uh, game day coverage oh. and, the, and the various ESPN stuff. Another stocks. good one. This just doesn't make sense. That uh, oh that one's gonna gosh. rock some people. I wonder if the move there is just McAfee stays on. Yeah, um, yeah. And they take one off. So it's what would it? What you got? You got Reese Davis, Fa- Reese. Uh, not Fowler. Reese Davis, D- Desmond Howard, yeah. Pat McAfee, Kirk Herbstreit, and if they roll Lee Corso out there yeah. for the, no way year. they roll. The, I don't know. I don't the, know. The husk the, of yeah. Lee Corso. I still like Lee Corso, but since his stroke, he is just it's tough. And, and, and it's and, tough and that's, to it's watch. not not a, not his that's fault. Not like good he's television. He's meant. He's mentally. I like. I fully believe he's mentally still there, but just his body can't keep yeah. up. He's in his eighties. I mean, it's yeah. Not, he's not in his eighties. He's had a stroke. It's it's been bad. Yeah. So. Uh, again, it's been a rough day at ESPN, and again, a lot of all the really all these people everyone's familiar with because they're all very much much a part of the uh, on air stuff. Just a few minutes left here, the first hour already. Let's change pace right here and get something more positive: birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports today at the age of 30 now is Trey Turner, current shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies. Also played for the Washington Nationals and L.A. Dodgers. Two-time MLB All-Star, 2019 World Series champion while with the Dodgers. 2022 All-MLB First Teamer, 2021 All-Second Teamer. 
the batting champion of the National League in 2021, and a 2022 Silver Slugger Award winner, two-time NL stolen base leader. He certainly can fly and was on the all-world baseball classic team this year. Had a really big world baseball classic for the U.S. Trey Turner turns 30 today. Mitch Richmond turns 58, former NBA shooting guard, selected fifth overall in the 1988 NBA draft by the Golden State Warriors out of Kansas State. Also played for the Sacramento Kings, Washington Wizards, and Los Angeles Lakers. 2002 NBA champion while with the Lakers, six-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA second teamer, and two-time on the third team. Was NBA Rookie of the Year 1989, has his number two retired by the Kings. At Kansas State, Richmond was 1988 consensus second team All-American, has his number 23 retired by the Wildcats as a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame as a player, a part of the run TMC times of the 90s for the Golden State Warriors. Mitch Richmond turns 58 today. Garrett Anderson turns 51, former MLB left fielder, played for the Los Angeles Angels, Atlanta Braves, and L.A. Dodgers. Three-time All-Star, 2002 World Series champion while with the Angels, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner and member of the Angels Hall of Fame. Garrett Anderson turns 51 today. Roy Green turns 66, former NFL wide receiver and corner, selected in the fourth round of the 1979 NFL Draft by the St. Louis and uh, Phoenix Cardinals at that time out of Henderson State. Also played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles, excuse me. The Eagles. The Eagles. I'm eager <laughs> to get Dawn to the next birthday. Two-time first-team All-Pro, two-time Pro Bowler, 1984 NFL receiving yards leader, 1983 NFL receiving touchdown leader, member of the Arizona Cardinals Ring of Honor. Roy Green turns 66 today. And one more birthday for you, turning 26 today. Keep calm and carry on Johnson is 26 today, former Auburn Tiger, who had a splendid junior season with the Tigers, rushing for nearly 1,400 yards, 18 touchdowns, a part of that SEC West champ team that lost to Georgia in the 2017 SEC title. In the NFL, he was the 47th overall pick that second round um, of the draft to the Detroit Lions. His first year was his best year, but never really stayed healthy. Ten games in his first year, ran for over 600 yards and three touchdowns in his career. Finished with just over 1,200 rushing yards and eight touchdowns from Madison Academy um, up in uh, North Alabama. Carryon Johnson turns 26 today. Those are the birthdays in sports. Trey Turner, 30. Mitch Richmond, 58. Garrett Anderson, 51. Roy Green, 66. And Carryon Johnson, 26. You like Carry On Johnson? I'm a big fan. I'm a big, big fan of Carry On Johnson. Really love, really that whole 2017 team. I, I, I thought was really special. I know that they ended up losing to Georgia, but man, some things go better. Obviously, Carry On getting hurt in the Iron Bowl. I, I still don't know if Auburn wins that SEC championship game, but th- th- that Auburn team was an injury and a little bit luckier from beating the number one team in the country, the number one team in the country again winning the SEC championship, then winning the playoff game, then winning the national championship. That team that team came about halfway to doing that, and that, that five-game stretch would have been certainly the most impressive ever if they were able to pull it off. But, uh, you know, beating number one Georgia and Alabama in back-to-back weeks was probably – I mean, that that was certainly a time to be an yeah. Auburn fan in that 2017. Was, that was Auburn, nice. Auburn was fun. That was my uh, <laughs> senior year of college at Auburn, mm. and uh, – I was lamenting the fact coming into that year that we'd seen some disappointing stuff at Jordan here in my prior three years. 
beating Georgia and Alabama to end the student experience for me was a highlight uh, for sure. Auburn was fun. Yes, it was. And also that was one of the teams that uh, even with the title game lost, Georgia would have been in in a 12-team yeah. playoff scenario. We're out of time for hour number one. Still ahead. Again, we'll get deep dive into the Atlanta Braves and play a game a little bit later. Also, maybe a little bit more on these layoffs, especially if more continue to happen, and a moment or two on the NBA. And, of course, if you want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 tiger 9 to join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Now, time for hour number one. We'll be back right after this. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Our number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. Cam's got another half hour to an hour with us before he goes and... Watches the Montgomery Biscuits Biscuits tonight in Montgomery. Fortunately, not raining there like it is here. Uh, The 10% of the state uh, turned out to be this part of the state today. Let's go. And uh, so dodging some rain out there. Again, still a little bit later, we will have uh, a... Uh, above, even with or below expectations for some of the Atlanta Braves, our intern T.P. Hammock will join us for that. be good to get someone's perspective that's not a Braves fan, although I don't know if that will change a whole lot of the answers for these guys because uh, they've really most of them have had uh, good seasons so far as that tends to happen when you won 53 baseball games in your first 80. But uh, certainly a big series this weekend with Braves and Marlins. That is a series where the Marlins could – try to shift the dynamic of, of the way we think about the, the race this year if they're able to win the series, especially if they're able to sweep the series somehow. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But for now, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Next up on the show, we got Jackson from Montgomery. Jackson, how are you doing today? Doing well. Happy Friday, gentlemen, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Oh. Uh, it is an absolute blazer out here in Montgomery, Alabama. I hope y'all are staying cool. I was just out in the heat. Uh, I'd like to start off with the uh, James Harden scenario. We saw after my call, he opted in but wants to be traded. And the two teams that are interested are the Los Angeles Clippers and the New York Knicks. Uh, for that trade to go through, do you see, for instance, the Clippers giving away one of their big stars, a Kawhi Leonard or a Paul George? in the uh, blockbuster trade, or for the New York Knicks, who would they package in to acquire James Harden? Sure. I think starting with the Clippers, I mean, they 
they're going to want to try to get it done without Kawhi or, or Paul George in there. I don't think the Clippers would ever put Kawhi in there, but the Paul George bit would be more interesting because both those guys have been off injured. And if you're Philadelphia and you've got Embiid, if you, I think he's about to be 30 or maybe he's already 30, if you at this point in his career try to start like a mini rebuild, I don't know if you have time for that because I think he's going to ask out. And Here's why I think it's got to be the Clippers. I think if you're the Knicks, you want Embiid. You think that you're going to have the the package for Embiid because if Embiid asks out because he doesn't get happy with what they get in return for Harden, then I think the Knicks are a very logical place for him. Hmm. So if the Knicks wanted Harden, I think they would package R.J. Barrett plus picks. But again, I don't know if – if Philadelphia is really a fan of that, because I don't know if they like Barrett enough with Maxi and Harris to really think that they're on to something big uh, around Embiid. So I think with the Clippers, I think they're the most likely outcome. However, again, I, I don't think that they can get that done. Like, I, If you're the 76ers, what do the Clippers have player-wise, other than Paul George, that you're really attracted to? Terrence Mann? Or, I mean, it's like I, I don't know... The package there, and then yes, they'll have some picks down in the future. But everyone in this deal would have some some picks down in the future. So, I, I think that a Harden with Paul jo- versus Par- Paul George uh, concept could be a, a a starting point for Philly. But again, the Clippers might try to hold on to Paul George. Okay, I was surprised. My initial thought would be Oklahoma City interested because they have picks for miles from the Westbrook trade, the Paul George trade, and they've just been collecting picks over time. But I was I was quite surprised they have not been in the talks with acquiring James Harden. Yeah, I mean, Harden wants to go to a contender, and you know, even even adding him to that team uh, in OKC would not make them a contender uh also i think it would honestly stunt the growth of players like josh giddy and and shy gilgis alexander uh with their styles of play um so i i just i think that's i think that's why he's not an option to return back to okc um yeah yeah and i would i wouldn't want to mess with yeah with SGA is kind of leading right. there exactly. because there's there's a scenario where he's a top five player yep. in the league in a couple of years, yep. and I, I don't know if I don't know if having Harden on that, you know, look, he's spread the ball around a lot more. I mean, but still, he's a guy that he's got to have the ball. Like at the end of the day, even if he's passing it, even if he's putting up big assist numbers, like he's going to be dribble, 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 and then something will happen. So, I, I think that OKC and uh, would be wise with their young team to just kind of leave that alone. Yeah, I figured they didn't want to mess up the uh, mess up the core, and especially with Chet Holgram coming back and SGA coming off with a phenomenal season. I think OKC could probably be a seven seed coming into this season. Uh, based saying on sports related uh, today, ESPN announced they're laying off a lot of members of their core cast of. Uh, Sports analysis like Jalen Rose, Max Kellerman, Jeff Van Gundy. Oh, uh, my question is, why do you think they're going with a different face of ESPN, and why, why do you think they've decided to operate like this? I, I don't think it's their preference. I mean, I think they're having to operate like this because they're they're running low on funds. They've, they've, the cord cutting is real. They've tried with uh, streaming to with ESPN Plus and that sort of thing to generate new sources of revenue but they've really just not been successful with that either 
And I think this is not really a they, – they want to go in this direction because there's some important people involved here. I mean, again, some of these guys are polarizing, sure, but, like, I mean, Jeff Van Gundy's been a part of finals coverage for that network for, I don't know, more than a decade now. I mean, it's been a long time that, that he's been on the finals and, and someone like uh, Todd McShay for draft coverage. I mean, everyone looks to McShay and Kuyper's mock drafts. That's a big loss for them. I mean, there's some real – uh, real, real guys here and, and personalities that are are disappointing to see go by the wayside. So, I really don't think that they can even get away with oh, this is some sort of strategic deal. I think they're just this is the cost of what's been happening the last several years to pay all this money for these media rights and also uh, for some failed experiments or at least experiments like ESPN Plus that are are really not getting them getting them a lot of new revenue. And furthermore, do you think? saying on this, do you think Fox Sports will come up and swoop up these polarizing characters to get views and maybe this is the chink in the armor they've been waiting for to strike, try to be the number one sports outlet? I think they'll get a couple. I, I don't think... I. Don't think Fox will ever overtake ESPN as number one, but I think they'll definitely get a couple, a uh, couple of these these guys on their shows for sure. Yeah, and then I think someone like it would be interesting to see if Jeff Van Gundy, as Cam talked about in hour number one, we were talking about this, if he would go to TNT and be uh, a part of their NBA NBA package. Um, I, I so it might drive some people nuts, but it would be funny to see Jeff Van Gundy and Stan Van Gundy on the same broadcast team. I, I, that that would be they would be constantly uh, slapping each other back and forth. So uh, I, I think there could be a place at Turner for one or two of those NBA guys, particularly Van Gundy. I do think Fox will take a couple of those guys, but I, I, at the same time, Fox can't get too overwhelmed by trying to pay a bunch of people too, or they'll, then they'll start to have some issues as well. Yeah, I, I figure ESPN is probably going to be number one till who knows. It's just the centerpiece. Uh, moving on to college football, big talk involving Texas football. Do you see Arch Manning, son of the Manning family, do you see him being a, uh, a stud in college? Do you see him doing well? Because in the, in the film, his colleges, the, the competition he was playing wasn't up to par, but I'm sure, you know, 7-on-7 camp, he can twirl the ball, but we all know 7-on-7 is not real football. What, what's your take on Arch Manning for the upcoming season? Yeah, I think a lot of people started to get a little worried about him after spring practice. And, look, I, I always take spring practice with as small as important as I can get away with. I know we've got to talk about it. I know that – uh, it is something valuable because we can't actually put our eyes on something, and most of the practices we can't. But I just I want to I want to caution that I don't want to start selling all stock in, in Arch Manning. I expected, to be honest with you, I expected Quinn Ewers to start this year. He was pretty good last year when he was healthy. And again, it's not like he was some three star that just came out of nowhere. It's a feel good story. Quinn Ewers was the number one recruit in the country uh, as a quarterback when he went to Ohio State, and quickly. Uh, quickly transferred out of there because he was blocked by some other guys, as as tends to be the case at that position. So it's not like Ewers is coming from a pedigree of nothing either. I mean, he's he's been highly touted his whole time, and again, he's not been awesome, but he certainly had some really good moments. and And so I think that Manning will put some pressure on him this year if he plays poorly. But I, I talked about last year a little bit. 
I was kind of surprised Manning chose Texas from the playing standpoint because I get the the resources and the brand and everything they got there. I actually thought Georgia made the most sense for him because I thought he would have he thought he really could have started from day one uh, at Georgia. And now, obviously, seeing what's going on with Bama's quarterback room, I think you could have made the argument, although it would have been a little more surprising at that time, I think you could make the argument he'd start there right now, too. Now, I look again, I get that the spring ball is the spring ball and it's not gone well, so maybe in that case you'd say, oh, actually, he wouldn't have won the job, and we can debate all that. But I'm just saying from a playing time standpoint, I never really thought of Texas as being the best best place to play his freshman year. So nothing has surprised me so far, although I get, I certainly get some people being concerned about spring ball. Right. I know his NIL is crazy, but plus he probably doesn't need any more money for the managed family. But staying on top of college football, in your guys' opinion, do you think people are jumping the gun on NIL deals for these high school players? Because some of these deals are up to $1 million they get to feel for the program. Yeah, I mean, I think some of these are risk. I mean, we've already seen, especially with the quarterback position, and, and that's why I would want to know all the details, how each school does it, and that sort of thing. Like if they don't get full payment until a certain year or, or a certain amount of snaps or that sort of thing because – I mean, there's some of these guys, again, I just – like if Ohio State had given a big deal to Ewers, like would they felt that they got got my, got good value out of that? No, he didn't play at all. He transferred almost immediately. And so some of these guys get end up getting blocked because, well, their goal is still to develop players, and what if you accidentally develop someone's good <laughs> and you want them to start for a couple of years? I mean, that that's your goal at the end of the day. You're not trying to rotate people every single year. And so I think that with some cases, there's going to be some bad value at times. Absolutely. That is also part of the business world. You don't always win every single marketing deal or every single deal that you make. But I do think that some of these schools will have buyer's remorse on on some of these kids at, at some point. But I think that there will still be a lot of success cases. And, and look, if the team's good overall – you know, you're not going to be as upset about certain individual situations. Now, if you're Texas A&M and you have just an awful year after after having a lot of NIL deals and that sort of thing in a big class, then, yeah, you're going to be pretty upset uh, at the deals that didn't work out or that sort of thing. But uh, I think that by and large part, there there will be some regression at some point and, and maybe there will be a, uh, a limit that's put on by the NCAA or even by Congress. But I think for now there's going to be a lot of heavy spending – and there won't be too much buyer's remorse for the most part. Yeah, honestly, it's like the NFL practice trial, it feels like. It's kind of like when you draft a, a rookie, he might bust out, and that's a lot of money that goes into it that you pay a contract. But on the NIL, when do you see, or if, do you see NIL uh, tracking down or trickling down to the high school sports scene? Oh, uh, I, I don't I know if I see that. Yeah, um, I would see So, it. like, yeah. high schools having to pay players to, to be at a high school? Correct. Like, the big, like, IMG, Thompson, Central. Hey, those, those guys pay for their players in terms of exposure or, or promising to get them to the next level. Uh, or or in, in the case of private schools like IMG, just paying for your tuition, and, and certainly that's not the biggest draw of IMG, but there are a lot of private schools that do that as well. You you don't have to pay tuition to go to that school as long as you play football or baseball or basketball or whatever. That's what a lot of schools do. I, I don't see 
I, I don't see advertising for a particular product happening with a high school student just because they're not nationally known until they get to the college level. So, I, I mean, you may you may see some like local auto body shops or whatever uh, start doing stuff with high school kids, especially if they are these top 100, top you know, 150 as recruits. Seniors, not yeah. as like coming to Yeah, but school. I don't think you're going to see recruiting <laughs> like that happen at the high school level. Now, Ryan and I have talked about this before. In terms of pay for play in college, we are not ignorant. Certainly, those things do happen, uh, and they happen at the high school level as well. But I don't see things like NIL uh, in the college form taking place in high school. Okay, I just I just wanted to question y'all because there's like it's a debate. Maybe, maybe not. Hopefully not. Honestly, I think I mean NIL. It had to happen for the college football. I mean, it just had to because you know NCA was making billions of dollars. These athletes, granted, they were getting there scholarship pay for but they weren't making any profit um lost my track thought oh i want to switch gears to uh baseball the uh my final point of the day uh as a st louis cardinal fan uh with a stout roster why do you think the struggles have been for the redbirds this year yeah i think they can do to fix it yeah, I think that a lot of it has been pitching-related. Uh, I mean, they've had some Goldschmidt and Arenado brilliance. I, mean, I know that maybe Arenado's not hitting like 320 or anything this year. I think he's hitting the 270s, but he still had his power. Goldschmidt still had a pretty good year. Maybe the depth of the lineup's a little bit of an issue. It is disappointing because that division as a whole uh, is just is not great. It's a bunch of, bunch of teams that are okay. I mean, like the Brewers are okay, the – Cubs have not been that bad, and Pirates had a nice little run for a little while. But ultimately, uh, they've just not had, I, I think, the pitching when Wainwright's been so bad and you know, probably, probably should have retired with Molina and Pujols, honestly. Um, they, 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 the pitching part of it and, uh, and then maybe the depth at the end of the lineup. But uh, it is frustrating to have two great players like Arenado and Goldsmith play pretty well and be disappointing. But you look at the Padres, Padres are doing the same thing with maybe even more talent. You know, they got Tatis and Soto, Machado, and, and uh, Nelson Cruz, and they're still below 500 right around the same record as the Cardinals, maybe just a couple games better. So uh, I just think that there's a, a couple different issues going on there. Yeah, it's quite frustrating, you know, uh, especially being like the worst in the NL. I don't, I don't even want to watch baseball with how bad St. Louis has been this year. But okay, fellas, I appreciate y'all taking my call again, and happy Friday. Hope y'all have a great weekend. Absolutely, appreciate well. the phone call, Jackson. That is Jackson from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Still very busy here on the Auburn Bank phone line, so let's get right back to it at three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally or toll free one triple eight nine. Tiger Nine. Next up on the show today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing today? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. <clears throat> yeah. Where do y'all think that um, Joel Embiid is going to actually get traded to? Like, what teams do y'all think that he'll get traded to from the West Conference Division to the Eastern Conference Division? What what teams do you think might uh, pick up uh, Embiid uh, for the um, Free agency. Yeah, so uh, first off, you know, they're trying to figure out the James Harden situation. That's who's on the trading block right now, and, mm-hmm. and that's who is going to ultimately end up, I think, getting traded at some point in summer. I don't expect it to be imminent. I expect it to drag out a little bit, trying to 
form a marketplace for him. But then with Joel Embiid, I, I don't know if he'll be traded yet or not. I think it'll depend on what Philly gets for Harden. Can they convince Embiid that they are still competitive? I mean, they were probably, I mean, get, during the regular season, they were a top three team in the Eastern Conference last year, and they had Boston on the ropes. They were not far away from making the uh, the conference finals. So it's not like Philly is way off, but if they trade Harden and don't get a package of guys that can help them now, I do think it takes them at least a little bit of a step back more into the Cleveland territory right in the middle of the conference, Cleveland, New York territory. And so I, I don't know what Embiid will do, but I think it starts with what they get for James Harden. Yes, I saw, and then I was looking at um, earlier today, I was um, trying to see where they were going to put uh, Kyrie Irving from uh, my Dallas Mavericks and see uh, where he's going to be traded in the free agency um, pool. So I think he might end up like with Golden State or Denver, one of those two teams. So I'm leaning. I might actually lean to the Denver Nuggets as well for uh, Kyrie as well. Yeah, you know, those those are interesting uh, observations there. I, I don't know if it'll end up being uh, one of those teams because they're all, all so set at point guard. I mean, the Warriors, Steph Curry is going to play point guard for them, and Jamal Murray is going to run point for, for Denver. But uh, I think there's still a possibility he ends up back on Dallas next year. I think Dallas, what they're trying to do is they realize that a long-term commitment – to Kyrie Irving is not a, is not the best idea. He's just not proven to be reliable. Not not necessarily just because of injuries, but just because of personal stuff too. At the end of the day, reasons he's not played games. So I think they understand that it's not wise to make the long term max investment in him. So they're either trying to get him to take a shorter deal or a deal with less money, or trying to tra- find a trade partner. Uh, I think the Phoenix thing came up. I don't know if people were looking at it the way they should have. I think the Phoenix stuff came up not because the, the Phoenix was trying to convince them to sign for the mid-level exception. I think, if anything, they would get off of DeAndre Ayton, and they would flip Ayton because they, they're tired of Ayton, and they'd trade him to Dallas. Dallas can say, all right, now we've got a good big guy with Luka. Luka's going to handle the ball anyway. And again, I'm not saying I love that for either team, but I'm just telling you that the I think the thought process would have been Dallas can get off of Kyrie, get someone who's really talented that just has a little bit of an attitude issue, and then Phoenix just as their ownership deal with Manashiba, who's the new owner there, just trying to get as much star power as they can. So I don't know if that's the ultimate move. Again, I still think there's a scenario with him on Dallas, but uh, the Kyrie stuff is a little murkier than it was maybe a month or two ago. Yes, that's all. And then with the w, with the WNBA uh, season wrapping up with the All Star Game that's going to start in a couple of weeks from uh, a couple of days from now, uh, Asia Asia Wilson just signed her two year extension deal with the Las Vegas Aces. So I think she's going to stay for another year with the Las Vegas Aces. And I see uh, great things coming out of them uh, tomorrow because I know they're looking like a good uh, championship team. So I think they might make it back to the WNBA Finals uh, with Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, and uh, many others on that team as well. And uh, Candace Parker with that team as well. So I think um, I'd probably see them actually winning another WNBA um, championship as well. Yeah, a lot of star power. And uh, I know you follow the league pretty closely, James, so I'm going to take your word for it. 
Yes, as well, because I do uh, follow the WNBA uh, very closely. I've been uh, following the, uh, the WNBA for years and uh, seeing some of these uh, – Seeing some of these great uh, women actually doing what they do on and off the court and uh, seeing if they're actually going to, you know, inspire the next generation of, uh, of basketball leader of WNBA basketball leaders that are going to be coming after them as well. And maybe um, I'll see some I'll see some WNBA players being Hall of Famers as well. I see Asia Wilson. I see. Uh, that, uh, Donna Bonner being a, a Hall of Famer one, uh, in, in her career as well. Cause I know Donna Bonner, I know before she started in the WNBA, she started at Auburn. She played at Auburn and, uh, she was a really great player at Auburn. And I know they have her jersey in Neville Arena's, um, Raptors, uh, you know, catching a lot of, you know, dust up there as well. Cause I know she's, she's a really good, uh, basketball player that she played for Auburn as well. Yeah, Dewana Bonner is uh, certainly. I think she's top ten now all time scoring in the WNBA. So she's uh, she's probably gonna be a Hall of Famer. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's been fun to to see her thrive in the WNBA, and and certainly some of the other players you named will be on their way to the WNBA Hall of Fame at some point too. What else you got for us today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at. Um, they're going to be showing. Uh, the track for tomorrow's race. They're going to be showing the uh, how they actually got the track in Chicago, how they're um, you know getting the final touches on that race, and uh, showing um, how they actually um, you know what the drivers will be looking at for uh, the qualifying race, which uh, starts tomorrow, and the actual race starts on Sunday. So they're going to be uh, showing that as well and uh, showing a lot of history from uh, Chicago, how different um, different uh, venues in that Chicago metropolitan area actually, uh, like all the different history that uh, certain sports has been there in Chicago and um, what, you know, what the uh, NASCAR um, – fans would look forward to as well yeah no i'm really looking forward to the chicago street race i i, I think nascar <coughs> trying this is uh a very positive thing and uh, i'm be interested to th- see some of the people might even ask some of the guys on the show this a little bit later that are not nascar people if it changes the perception at all of the sport because everyone always that, that doesn't watch it jokes with the left turn and and all that sort of stuff. But uh, going to more road courses recently, now going into a street course, which is something that you would see in F1 or certainly in IndyCar in the States, uh, is trying to bring in a different kind of style of racing. So I, I hope it goes well on Sunday. I really have no idea how it will go, but my hope is that it will be a, a fun race and that it will be, uh, be a success. Yes, as well, because I know um, I won't be watching the race, but I'll be listening to it. And I know this is going to be something that I've been wanting to see NASCAR actually do, because I think when they are doing road courses like this for NASCAR, it is pretty out there. And then on top of that is, like, pretty hilarious as well to see, you know, seeing some of these cars actually racing in the in in a beautiful city like Chicago. So I think this is going to be, um, it's going to be a great historic moment. And then on top of that historic moment, it's going to be like a little, it's going to be like a little funny. It's going to be like a funny way of looking at, uh, racing as well. So this is going to look, 
really out there for for NASCAR fans to actually say, "What? What's going on?" It, I mean, am I watching like a a car commercial or something? This is a this is something totally different for NASCAR as well. Yeah, that that would be very different. Do you have a favorite track in NASCAR or road course or anything like that? Um, I actually do have a favorite road course. Um, I'll probably say the the first time I that the first time that I seen this track was actually when they did for NASCAR. They did one in Birmingham, Alabama. That was the first time they ever did that one. Well, they've been racing a uh, IndyCar in Birmingham at uh, Barber Motorsports Park, but I'm not sure the the Cup Series NASCAR has been there. Um, it was um, now I know they do Formula One there, but it's um, they do Formula One in Birmingham, and they actually I'm thinking in my near future I'm thinking that they might uh, make that into a NASCAR track. So I'm thinking that they will put that out there as well. So I know they used to do it, um, like, for the... I know they used to... They were... It was years ago they used to add that kind of track to the uh, NASCAR schedule, but I'm not quite sure if they're going to bring that one back as well. Yeah, obviously NASCAR's been going to Talladega, which is, you know, about an hour from from Birmingham for a long period mm-hmm. of time, the the 2.6-mile track there. But we'll see if they end up going to Barber at any point or, or anywhere else in the state. What else do you have for us today? Well, I'm actually going to be looking at some Major League Baseball news, and uh, I know we're so far away from the All-Star game, so I've looked at the starters for the All-Star game, and now they're going to show um, who's going to actually play for the T-Mobile Home Run Derby as well. So it's going to be a a huge lineup that's going to start as well, and uh, seeing uh, some great players from Atlanta and uh, some great players from uh, other teams that actually picked as well. Yeah, absolutely. The home run derby, a lot of fun, and we certainly talked about uh, that the other day, and you're a big fan of those big moon shots, and, and uh, yeah, it's always a fun time. Yes, as well, because I do love the home run derby, and um, I would like to see the celebrity uh, home run derby sometime in the near future as well. I think they should bring that back for Major League Baseball as well. I still think they do a uh, celebrity game. I, I think it's a pre-recorded game that usually aired. I think right after the home run derby and and that sort of thing. So it's not a you know not a uh, celebrity home run event, but they do have a uh, celebrity softball game that they usually air uh, right after the home run derby. Uh, do, uh, any final thoughts for us today, James? Before we have to let you go, um, I don't have any final thoughts uh, for y'all today. But maybe tomorrow I will be talking about. Uh, Auburn uh, football and uh, seeing, uh, you know, seeing what y'all take on this uh, new journey that uh, Hugh Freeze actually uh, is talking about with the new uh, expansion of the of the fan base that Auburn is actually looking forward into in 2023 season. Yeah, absolutely. That's something we can talk about on Monday for sure. All right, sounds good. And War Eagle, War Eagle, have a great weekend, James. That is James from Montgomery. Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line, we need to take another timeout. We'll go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line right after this. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Friday. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaBoy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Barry with you here. Appreciate those phone calls. We'll go right back to the phone line in just a second, but we do have some news that broke just around the top of the hour, and I'll throw it to you, Brant. involves Auburn baseball. Yeah, I got the article pulled up here uh, a couple of days ago. Darren Schoenrock, the pitching coach for Auburn, uh, stepped down after one season. Um, not super shocking. Pitching was really really bad to start the year and yes it got better but still just uh, not maybe not a whole lot of good faith and I, I I don't know what the the politics behind the scenes are but either way he stepped down uh, today Auburn has announced his replacement it's uh, Everett Tiford uh, who pitched in the big leagues with the Royals from 2011 to 2013 then pitched with the Rays in 2015 and has spent the last six years as an uh, a coach coordinator whatever staffer in the White Sox organization for the last four years he has been their minor league pitching coordinator and today uh, was hired as Auburn's pitching coach. So a young guy, um, spent some time, spent a lot of time in the majors. This is going to be his first college job, but uh, Everett Tiford is now Auburn's pitching coach. Yep, 39 years old for Tiford. And, uh, again, that was a pretty swift hire there. I mean, it yeah. was just a couple days ago, as you said, Sean Rock was uh, deciding to take more time with his family and, and that sort of thing. And, of course, Auburn's pitching staff, started so poorly this year but then made real strides second half of the year i mean obviously the lineup was always good throughout but the pitching really uh really changed the dynamic just just being able to get to a serviceable level uh but now they've got a new pitching coach uh in the form of effort tiford as uh as brant just said 334-887-341 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the show today we go back to the auburn bank phone line ward damn steve retire ward damn steve is with us steve how are you doing today hey it's friday how can you not be feeling good right uh, absolutely weekends almost here almost yeah well uh every day is almost like a weekend for me but uh, <laughs> uh i won't rub, i won't rub it in sure uh so uh, TP, I enjoy uh, him uh, answering the phone. He actually answers the phone pretty quickly. So he's, uh, you guys are teaching him really well. Yeah, he's on top of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's you, uh, Cam, uh, who else? And Brant. And Brant. Okay, guys. Uh, I just heard you about the announcement. In fact, I was going to bring it up. Cause I have it on 247 Sports. Um, he apparently it says current Chicago White Sox player development assistant. Uh, and so I was reading that, okay, yeah. And then I go to the bottom of the column, and it says that um, he was with the Tempe Rays organization before retiring in 2018. So I'm confused. Uh, which is it? Uh, are you saying, I mean, I think he's currently with the, or he was with the White Sox a, a couple of years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like the last well, few Well, did he retire 2018, or is he currently? No, he was a uh, player until 2018. He's not been a player since 2018. He oh, had a, okay. He had that uh 
coach. I don't know if you call it coaching, just player player development Pitch, role. Pitching minor league yeah. pitching coordinator was yeah. his official the title. Last few so. years, yeah. So guys, what do you make of someone being uh, in major league baseball? Uh, is this a uh, you know a, a come down for him in terms of salary and um, I guess uh, his position or uh, what do you what, what do you make of it? Because uh, I really don't know. So educate me. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know if I have a, a, a strong stance either. I think that uh, it could be a, a personal choice to get into the college game versus the pro game or uh, maybe an opportunity to grow quicker because he is going to be a pitching coach. I mean, if he does a good job in just a couple of years, he couldn't end up being a head coach for a college program or that sort of thing, whereas in Major League Baseball, I think he would have had a lot longer trek to try and get to the major leagues as a manager. So it could be a way to jumpstart his career and – uh, a younger guy, so uh, he's definitely familiar with with what it takes here recently in the big leagues, as uh, as Brant noted, pitched uh, just a few years ago, and uh, I, I think that uh, overall, you know, again, I I don't have, I, I did not have like a list of candidates or or anything like that for the position, just because I'm not overly familiar with with everyone that would have been involved there, but uh, I I do like just from a semantic standpoint, I do like how quickly this hire. Uh, came to be that Auburn felt pretty confident in their guy right away because, again, the the resignation of Schoenrock was just a couple days ago. So I do like how swift they were with it. Yeah, Jason Caldwell said that uh, from his sources that uh, apparently Bush Thompson has eye on him for quite a while. Sure. And, again, I'm going to try – I know that that Auburn's not had incredible team efforts as pitching – Stabs, they've usually ended up somewhere in the middle of the SEC, usually in their good years. But still, I'm going to trust Butch when it comes to identifying uh, pitching coaches and, and what he likes there. Salary-wise, guys, do you know uh, what kind of salary probably a player development person gets versus what he's going to be getting now? I would say it's all in the six-figure range. I don't know what, what, what part of it it would be in, maybe a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, to do that for the White Sox, I think that uh, probably a couple hundred thousand, few hundred thousand to be uh, pitching coach at Auburn. So I, I, I don't know. It might be less to be at Auburn in the, in this role, but it wouldn't be significantly uh, a lot. I don't think. Okay, uh, moving on. This this caught my eye because it comes from a website called Bro Bible. Are you familiar with that that website? Yeah, I heard of it. It's heard, kind of heard of it. It's yeah. it's not a super reputable website, but yep. it's you know it, it gets a lot of traffic. Okay, well, the story called caught my eye is by a person named Cass Anderson, and it's entitled, "Hold on now, Gus Malzahn turns UCF football into a joke by asking to be included in a Big Four of Florida." Have you read the column or even know what he said? No, Absolutely I, not. I know what Malzahn said. I, I don't know what that uh, that article. I, I did not read the article. Yeah, well, he's taking a jab at uh, apparently Malzahn's statement that he thinks that Malzahn thinks that he his team UCF should be. Uh, in fact, here's his quote: Malzahn said uh, to the Oklahoman, uh, "You here think about the big three: Florida, Florida State, Miami. It's time for the quote big four. You look at the last six, eight years, we've been, we've been as good or better as any of those other programs, in a quote. And so from there, this uh, uh, article goes on and goes on. The writer uh, takes a, uh, some jabs and punches at him, saying, well, wait a minute now. You know, 
the big three you're talking about, Florida, Florida State, and Florida, each have had three national championships. I mean, it has five, and you think you should be included with those. That was basically the bottom line. Uh, so what, what do you guys make of – Mel's not even made that kind of comment. He's a head coach of a college football program trying to promote his team. Right, that, and that's it's it's a publicity thing. Well, and, and I, I know, but let's don't go, you know, into left field here. Well, so what, I mean, his his standpoint was again relaying the standpoint is that all those three programs the last handful of years have had struggles, and they have not been good historically. There is zero argument for UCF to be included with those three, but if you're arguing the last several years. What his argument is is that UCF has had uh, tremendous AAC teams that uh, have had some national success at times, whereas uh, Miami, Florida State, and Florida have all been changing coaches and 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 six and six teams and and that sort of thing. And UCF beat Florida in a bowl game uh, a couple of years ago and and that sort of thing. Now UCF so, beat beat us right, and even Malzahn lost to UCF while while at Auburn. So. I think if you wanted to say recency, sure. You know, I, I don't think it's as far fetched as what he's talking about. But obviously, historically, there's a long way to go, and they're not going to get there. I mean, they'd have to have decades plural uh, of success to, to catch up to, to some of those other three. So again, it depends on what what uh, what pot you're talking in. But again, UCF is now a Power Five school uh, because they are now in the Big Twelve, and it'll take a little while to think of them that way. But uh, again, it, as Brant said, it is recruiting. It's the hype up the program, and uh, again, he's just gonna, what, what else is he going to do? Of course, he's going to fight for for his team and for the recognition like that. No, I get it. I just thought it made me laugh when I saw the article that somebody was uh, uh, writing about this. So, guys, I guess you also know because I got an email from them uh, that uh, Auburn has um, surpassed uh, their all time, uh, I guess, uh, record of selling season tickets. Uh, for the upcoming football season, is that, is that correct? Yep they uh, they announced that I believe yesterday or the day before. Yeah, they have apparently uh, three hundred, I think, uh, or three hundred and fifty uh, season tickets still left. So, do you think they'll do it? Oh, I, I thought they had already. Uh, they they've broken they broken the record. They have not sold out of okay. season tickets. Right, they haven't sold out yet. Uh, yeah, I think they'll. I think only about three hundred or so to go in in two months. I think they'll get it done. Now I haven't seen the pricing, guys. Maybe you have. Do you know what the face value of the Georgia and Alabama tickets are are for? Is it one hundred twenty-five dollars or more? Yeah, probably around that. I'm trying to recall. Granted, you know, five or six years can be a long time. I'm trying to recall from my last year at Auburn, and obviously it depends on where you're sitting and that sort of thing. But uh, right. Yeah, I think I think low one hundreds to mid one hundreds would would be the, the correct ballpark there. Okay. Well, just to give you a kind of an idea of, I guess, of inflation, I have here the Iron Bowl uh, ticket uh, for the 2013 uh, season. Uh, you want to guess what it was, the face value of the card, uh, the, that ticket? Now, sitting uh, uh, in section 42, row 63. So I was in the nosebleed section where the flags are. Yeah, I, I don't know. What, what year was it again? 2013 for the Iron Bowl. Uh, kick six game, seventy or eighty, pretty close, eighty-seven bucks. Okay, gotcha. So now they're probably you think at least one hundred twenty-five, right? Yeah, somewhere again. Well, I would say low one hundred. I mean, again, I I don't know for a fact, but I I know it's gone up in the last ten years for sure. Okay, so um, who's going to the uh, the Braves game this weekend? You said 
for the staff? I don't know if we sat. I mean, I Cam's going to a biscuits I'm going game to today. A biscuits game. Oh, the biscuits game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and when do the when do the Thunder Chickens uh, come back and play and uh, try to not be run ruled? Next Tuesday. Yeah. Two. Well, the next. Yeah. yeah. Tuesday, July eleventh. July eleventh. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, every time you lose, it brings you that much closer to winning. Say that again. Every time that you lose a game, it brings you that much closer to then winning one. That's fair. Figuring out the formula. <laughs> okay. Maybe I don't know. We don't seem to be learning a lot. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, you you got to just keep at it. Don't give up, and uh, maybe you might get some uh, buy from the transfer portal, right? We've been trying. We've been trying to hunt those portal additions. Well, what's your NIL? Do you have very much as it offer? Uh, we can offer a bag of chips. A bag of chips. Okay. Yep. Speaking of that, bag of chips, uh, you guys um, still have me on the uh, the soda thing for the Wacky Wednesday thing. So I caught this. I thought, well, maybe you guys might be interested in doing this one. And what it is is apparently McDonald's has a new uh, flavored uh, uh, drink uh, that just came out. I guess you know about it. The the Grimace Shake? Yeah, yeah. Have you tried it? I have not. I have also not. I know that our okay. intern TP has. Okay, well, uh, does TP uh, want to share with us uh, what he thought about it? How did he taste? Yeah, TP's going to be on here in the uh, third hour, so we'll go ahead and put him on right here. TP, what do you think of that? Hey, Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, hey, I, I had the Grimace Shake, and I will say this. It was really sweet. It tastes a lot like cotton candy and kind of a Lucky Charms marshmallow flavor. And it's really good, but I would recommend if you're going to get it, you got to have like some sort, you got to have what I went with, a sweet tea beside it. Because if you just keep drinking it, it just really overpowers. Like the aftertaste just gets really strong. But yeah, I would recommend it. It's pretty dang good. So Okay, and it's purple color. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the uh, uh, interesting uh, commentary on the uh, uh, your experience with it. I guess I'll take a shot at it and uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, see uh, what, what comes of it. Alright guys, and you know, this will be weekend for what? The final what? Indiana Jones. Yep, uh, Dial of Destiny. Right, and uh, they should be it for Mr. Harrison Ford, right? Yes, uh, they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're not closing doing the book. Yeah. Yeah. This is the one that he's been after the entire time. And you know he did most of the stunts? I didn't know that. I, I read a, an article about that. Fitting, fitting. Yeah, alright guys, that's it. Um, through rambling, thank you for letting me uh, ramble as much as I did today. So you guys have a relaxing uh, afternoon and weekend. Stay safe, and we'll do this again uh, Monday. Yes, so sir. Until then, War Eagle guys. War Eagle Steve, have a great weekend. That is retired War Eagle Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. About out of time for this hour. Cam uh, Barry will be departing from from us now. Bye, enjoy boys. your enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the Michelle. the biscuits game. Uh, Who would you say the biscuits are playing? They're playing the Blue Wahoos. Blue Wahoos. Okay, down uh, down closer to where uh, Brooks Brothers from. Yeah. But uh, shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, enjoy the game night. Be safe yeah. traveling, and I I think we're good on rain. Yeah, it looks this like was, we're good. Uh, no, this was the only part. So. Isolated thunderstorms. Yeah, just isolated. So uh, <laughs> that is Cam Berry. Appreciate you being on the show today. Glad Cam. to be here. And uh, that will do it here for hour number two. Still ahead, uh, more sports call. We're going to get into some Atlanta Braves stuff on the other side of this break with above, even with, or below expectations. And our intern, T.P. Hammock, will join us for that as well. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Hour number three of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, and now our intern T.P. Hammock joins us. T.P., good to see you again, sir. Good to see you, too. And uh, we're going to play a little game here in just a second. Fun first couple of hours. Had several phone calls. Also t- talked about the dynamic of ESPN and all the things, all the all the uh, commentators and analysts departing today from ESPN, getting uh, getting fired and if you missed any of that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. NBA Free Agency also open right now. We'll give you any updates if there's any earth-shattering news, but none so far as we've uh we've opened up free agency so far hey that's my headset falling to the ground if you heard that in the background and we're wondering what that loud noise was and and sometimes live radio strikes and it strikes again right here but here's what we're gonna do now we're gonna start talking some atlanta braves it's the halfway point is this weekend this is game 81 tonight coming up at truest park between the braves and the marlins and so it's a long season. We sometimes talk about sample sizes that are ultimately too small. I think it's safe to say halfway through the season is a plenty good time to assess where everyone's at. So it's time to play a, a little game right here and kind of judge some of these Braves' performances thus far. Sports calls above, even with, or below expectation. All right, so we're going to go through a lot of the Atlanta Braves so far this year and talk about what Zeus has said. If they're meeting expectations, if they're above expectations, or they're below the expectations that you had for them this year, we're going to kind of go right down the starting lineup, and we're going to start with uh, one that's going to be a unanimous decision, but we're going to do it nevertheless. A time to gush over Ronald Acuna Jr. in the season he's had so far, hitting 331, 19 homers, 51 RBIs, Got an outside shot at a 40-40 season because he's on 38 home run pace. If you can pick it up just a little bit, he'd be on there. So uh, I think I know the answer for, for everyone above expectations. Um, maybe the, the angle here is, is this the best version you could have imagined of, of Acuna? Is this everything kind of you had hoped that he would, he would turn into as a big leaguer? You know, it, it's so weird – is, is it possible to say he's above my expectations when I still ex- expected him to be an MVP candidate this year? Because what this guy is doing is historical. He's already done things that nobody in the history of Major League Baseball has done. He's going to continue to do that if he can stay healthy. He's going to run away with National League MVP uh, if he continues at this pace. And man, he's just not slowing down. He's I expected him to be good. I expect him to win 
three, four MVPs while he's in Atlanta. I expect him to to win at least one more World Series, maybe two, because uh, the Braves are set up to challenge for it for the next decade. But, man, what he's doing is incredible because you don't really have guys with the power that he has hit 330. You know, he's – He's what second in the in the National League in batting average, second or third. Yes, yeah. Luis, Ar- Luis Arise is still flirting with four hundred, and yeah. then it's a big drop. I think Cunha is second. At the moment. Yeah, but but Arise doesn't have the power that Acuna does, and very few do. He's we we talked about it, uh, his power numbers are kind of down from when he was hitting two seventy, but I, I, he's still cranking home runs. He's on pace for just shy of forty. Uh, so what he's doing is absolutely incredible. Uh, and it's absolutely above my expectations, which are already pretty sky high. I would have to agree with that. You know, I, I would say he has exceeded my expectations, and I'm not going to hide it. I am not an Atlanta Braves fan. I am a New York Yankees fan, and I, but I do follow the sport of baseball heavily. So I, I knew Ronald Acuna is very good, and he's very talented, but, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. He has been incredible. I mean, so far this has been one of the best half of a – MLB like a player could have ever like is one of the he's on pace to be to have one of the greatest seasons ever and I think he is he's definitely in first place for the National League MVP the the Vegas odds do indicate that and I think if he keeps us up I mean it'll be one of the greatest seasons ever but uh you know this weekend they are welcoming in an, an MVP candidate within themselves and Luis Arise I know he doesn't have the power but it should be a fun series, but yeah, I would say that Ronald Acuna has definitely surpassed my expectations, even though they were already really high. I think he's been phenomenal. Well, and I think that the bit, too, that I don't know if I saw coming, really because the game didn't lend itself to this, because uh, the way the stolen base was coming, fading out of it, now that, for whatever reason, it's it's hilarious. The, the bases became... Just marginally yeah. bigger. Incrementally, just, like a little bit. Just a little bit. And now everyone's running more. And Acuna also has a relevant number, 36 steals and 42 attempts. So he is over 80% there on steals. And that's 72 steal base. That's the, that's the part of it that could be the historic part is, yes, we've seen 40 homer, 100 RBI, 300 seasons before. They don't happen every single year, but pull holes put up a ton of those, and there's Trout can do that and that sort of thing. But it's the potential to have 70 stolen bases yep. on top of that. Uh, that is a that's getting to Ricky Henderson territory. I mean, it's not Henderson had a couple hundred uh, stolen base seasons, but but it's not far off of, of some of the prime most uh, or uh, most equipped uh, speed merchants in the game. On top of the power that is towards the top of the league, so uh, you know, I think if you had just left it at the home run and RBI standpoint, you know, maybe he's still meeting or maybe he's still above expectations because he did not have a good power year last year. I mean, he played uh, in 120 games and had 15 home runs okay he has played 40 less games this year and has 40 more or has four more home runs excuse me if he had 40 more home runs that would be uh uh, barry bonds yeah steroid-esque but uh you know he has refound the power we we knew he had from an early age but it's the speed on top of the contact, as you said, Brant. His uh, career best batting average to this point for a season uh, was 293. So if he hits 300 in any capacity, it'll be that point. So Cunha, a clear uh, above expectations. Let's move to second in the lineup, and second is now 
Ozzy Albies playing second base. Just missed out on being uh, the National League representative. Obviously, Luis Arise certainly deserves that for hitting in the 390s, but Albies has had a tremendous power year so far. Uh, I know he's not going to be below, below. Is he meeting or above your expectations? I'm saying he's above expectations, too. Uh, Ozzy, when he was down in the lineup a little bit, there were some some weeks where he was hitting 240 there for a bit, and I was getting kind of concerned. Um, but he's really started to come on, especially from the left side. I, I think right-handed Ozzy Albies is every bit as good as Acuna as far as a uh, an average is, or a contact hitter is, is how, how I should put that. Pardon me, but... I, even from the left side, he started to heat up. I think he's hitting about 270, 280 from the left side now at this point and hitting absurd numbers, like a 340, I think, from the right side. So Ozzy's been really good. He's been incredible defensively as well, and I love all players that are under five foot ten. So automatically Ozzy always <laughs> Oh, gets, so you like Altuve, huh? I, d- <laughs> I, I did. I really did. I, I really was a huge fan of Jose Altuve. But now – uh, the Braves have the best second baseman. He might be the best second baseman in, but you can make the argument. I mean, obviously, Louisa Rise is, is doing what he's doing, but all around what Ozzy's doing, you can make the argument that he's the best. He's the best second baseman in baseball right now. I would, um, I would agree. He has been really good uh, from a. He's got 18 home runs, which is I was that exceeded my expectation. I know he can. He can definitely hit. And there, like you said, there was a slump at that period where I was a little concerned for how they would handle that, but he's just so talented, and he's just so much fun to watch as a baseball fan. It doesn't matter what team you go for. You watch an Ozzy Albies, that man is baseball. He is really good at what he does, and I enjoy watching him. I would say that he has exceeded my expectations, but there was a point where I was thinking he had really he was starting to trickle down towards not exceeding expectations, but he was able to turn it around and really – he, you know, if it wasn't for Luis Arise having statistically one of the best seasons so far, one of the best halves of a season ever, uh, he would have been an all-star star. So I'd say he has exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I think, again, it's a slight exceed for me, too. I wouldn't say it's as big of an exceed as Acuna because, you know, the batting average, is, as Brant points out, I, I do, I'm do. i starting to look at the stolen base element again. You know, six of six, okay, well, that's perfect, but also he had a 20 stolen base season two years ago, again, when we weren't running as much in, in Major League Baseball. So, you know, that part of it is like, okay, that's a little surprising he's not run as much uh, seeing other other guys take off the way they have but uh, how can you not be impressed with the power numbers uh, on pace to have 36 home runs and over 110 RBIs at his size and at his position I mean, period regardless of the size middle infielders are not known to supply pop like that they are usually more of the contact variety and I'm still at the end of the day comfortable with Albies hitting in the 260s he's a career 270 hitter so it's not like he needs to be around 300 to feel like he's having uh, a, a great contact season he is usually in the 260s 270s range so uh, with that being said he's meeting the expectations from an average standpoint and he's certainly well exceeding them from the power department obviously he plays a good second base too so Albie's going to exceed all of our expectations this is the first one that's a little interesting here uh, hitting uh, third in the lineup playing third Austin Riley uh, all three things are in play here above even with or below expectations I, I really do love Austin Riley, but I got to say, he's a little bit below right now. We have saw him a couple of years ago challenged for the MVP. You know, we've got, you've got a lot of guys on this team that can do that if, if the things go well. But 
right now Austin's batting average, I mean, he really everything from the plate has been just a little below par for, for what we've come to expect from Austin Riley. Now, defensively, he's still an excellent third baseman, and, and you need that for sure, and uh, Austin's filling that hole very well. It's just his bat is the, – the pop isn't there, the average isn't there, and that's not to say he's playing poorly. He's just not playing as well as we know he is before. Yeah, I would – I think it's uh, – I don't think – like I said, Austin Riley's a great watch, but, you know – just two years ago, he was batting 303, and now we look at it, he's batting a 265. He doesn't have that much pop. You know, the past two years, he had 33 home runs in 2021, 38 home runs in 2022, but now he just has 14. The batting average has dipped. You know, he's a great fielder, and that that's good, but, I mean, like, I don't know what's going on. It, you know, the Braves seem to be doing really well, but it feels like he's starting – I'm not going to say he's becoming forgotten, but he's just kind of – kind of slipping through the cracks because we pay attention to Acuna. You, attend, you pay attention to Matt Olson. You know, he's got light tower power. But, like, Austin Riley, you know, it's just like, what has happened? This isn't the guy that I saw two years ago. Yeah, I think this, you know, for context, I think, yes, I think he is uh, slightly below expectations. I don't, you know, I don't think that that is a, a, a hot take. I do think overall, you know, if you're talking about with everything the Braves have, Again, it's so easy at this time of year. You just double the number. That's what he's on pace for. 28 homers. You know, it's it inherently is not a bad number. 80 RBIs is a little low uh, for someone hitting the middle of the order like that. Again, the 265, it's not far off the career average, you know. So, again, it's not like I, I expect Austin every year to hit 290, 300. Again, there are 300 is a difficult thing to do. I think yeah. the major league average, even going up 10 or 12 points this year, the major league average is still, I think, in the 240s. So if you're, if you're thinking about it, even Austin Riley is hitting above average for a big league player just from a contact standpoint. So, uh, you know, again, I don't want to say that this is just like an under such a such a under the the radar bad season, but. I, I do think, obviously, you expect Riley to be a 30-homer, 100-RBI guy. And if for no other reason, just the RBI is the stat I would focus on as being disappointing. Now, what I will tell you is, again, I'm impressed by the durability. And, again, we hope that this stays true all the time. The previous two years, 160 games, 159 games. This year he's played all 80. So that is a part where I am a big fan of Riley because in all the sports, durability is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And in baseball, I mean, you just don't see many guys play 162. It used to be something you could do four, five, six straight years. But to see Riley, a bigger player like that, be out there the way he has is impressive. So it's not a – obviously none of us are having a bash party right here of Riley. But it is a little below what we've come to expect from the first couple – or I shouldn't say first couple of years, but the pre previous couple of years where uh, clearly was was becoming a borderline MVP candidate and, and was supplying uh, kind of all three phases, homers, RBIs, and contact at the plate. Let's do one more before we go to our next break. So let's go to uh, the other man in the corner infield, and that is Matt Olson. Obviously started the year hitting second, moved down a couple of weeks ago to hitting fourth or fifth, depending on the matchup. And uh, I love the uh, what TP said, the light tower power mm. uh, is a great way of describing Matt Olson. It's so weird, this one. I, I'm going to have to meet in the middle and say he's meeting my expectations right now, uh, which feels weird to say for the guy who's second in Major League Baseball on home runs. I mean, the dude's at 26 on pace for 52 homers. Uh, it, it, any time other than the steroid era, that's absolutely incredible. 
Um, Matt Olson, his power numbers are absolutely insane. He is also third in Major League Baseball in strikeouts. He has struck out 102 times. He is one of five players in Major League Baseball to have struck out 100 or more times. Uh, so it, a not, third of his at bats, for yeah, the record, yeah. Not not very illustrious company. He's only hitting two thirty seven. Uh, if he if he was an average power hitter, if it, say if he was sitting at, at just below twenty, if he was seventeen or eighteen rather than twenty six, I think we'd all agree that he was below. But the power numbers are what they are. So it, I have to say he's meeting it when. He came over from Oakland. The expectation was that he was going to hit a ton of home runs, and by golly, he has done so. Uh, but the batting average being where it is, and, and to to his credit, to be fair to him, it has started climbing steadily since he got moved to that fourth spot, uh, and I think that's where he should belong. But uh, right now I'm going to stick with Meats. Uh, if, it, if that batting average climbs up to above 250, uh, you know, gets to around 260, 270. Uh, that would where I, I would say he's definitely exceeding expectations. But for for where he is right now, hitting just 237, it's tough to say that he is exceeding. Yeah, I think this is an interesting. This is a really tough one because I want to say he's exceeding because he already has 26 home runs last year. He had 34, and the year before he had 39, and you know he's on pace to smash all of that. But then, like you said, he's third in strikeouts. Do I really want to say that he is exceeding my expectations whenever he's batting a two thirty seven? But here's the thing, that's just the that's just baseball that we that we watch now. You know, a lot of batters, you know, they trade in the strikeouts for home runs. Like the best example is Jorge Soler. You know, he, he kinda got in trouble for that last year in Miami, but this year he's he's leading the Marlins in home runs and he's not that far off from Matt Olson right now. But I think it's just the world that we live in where you got to trade in something for that power. And the Braves are benefiting from it. It's not like the strikeouts are becoming, you know, repulsive in a sense. But um, I would say he's, I will say he's slightly above expectation just for how many home runs he's hit and how well he's hitting besides the, the strikeouts. So I would just say a slight nudge up. Yeah, it's it's a tough one to, to go between uh, even with or above because there's arguments on both sides. On one hand, the power is well exceeding expectations. There is 40 home run power in his bat, and we've known that. But he's on pace for 52, and any 50 home run season, like I don't know if there's anyone outside of like Bonds and McGuire where you would have gone into a season expecting 50-plus homers, maybe Sosa for a couple of years there too. Uh, and, of course, we know the, the steroid element to it. So I don't know if anyone non-juicing, or at least under the impression not juicing, maybe judge, because not even like Trout would you have expected yeah. 50. You would have expected 40, and you expected 100 RBIs and hit 300, but 50 home runs is not a small thing. Uh, however, good research on your part, because – if you're third in strikeouts, and I'm looking at the number as you are, that he's on pace for 200 strikeouts, yeah. and that's just like a no-no number as in general. It's 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 not something that you have to say that player sucks or he stinks or whatever for it. But like, there's never going to be a time where I'm comfortable with 200 strikeouts in a year. That's more than one per game. That's going to be a lot of missed opportunities with runners on base and that sort of thing that will deplete RBI numbers and. And even though he does have a good RBI number, it's still it's a it's a million strikeouts. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say meeting expectations. I, I'll with the with the caveat like like Brant said, just get over 250 honestly because he is a career 
what is it, 248 hitter. So the average is not shocking to me. He had one year, and I guess it was the short in 2020 year, where he only hit 195 with Oakland. And obviously it was a very small sample size, but and he's not done that in a full year. But he is reliably like a 240, 250 hitter. So it's not like he's too far gone there. That's around my expectations. But balancing out strikeouts being below my expectations, home runs being well above, yeah, that has somewhere where I'm meeting where – Meeting to just above, uh, maybe if he again in a matter of one hot week, he can get up in the 250s. We're gonna take our first time out here of hour number three. When we come back, we'll go through a few more bats, won't go through all nine of the starting line, we'll go through two or three more of the bats and go through a couple pitchers with this above, even with or below expectations. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at SportsCallAuburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brent Dontry with you here to close, start to close out this week of Sports Call. Won't have time to get to a what to watch for over the weekend because we're in the middle of doing this right here. Sports Call's above, even with, or below expectation. And we're doing that with the 2023 Atlanta Braves thus far this season. Went through the top half of the lineup. Let's hit on a couple of more, including or a couple more in the lineup than a couple of pitchers, including the new acquisition, Sean Murphy from the Oakland Athletics. This one, uh, I feel like this direction would be about the same, but uh, the Braves decided to upgrade at catcher when they didn't necessarily have to. Darno did have, I think, some health issues last year. Look, catchers do that from time to time, but. Braves said, you know what? We like the first A's trade we made. Let's do another one. And they get Sean Murphy in. Yeah, Sean Murphy, uh, you have a catcher who's starting in the All-Star game because he's hitting 289 and on pace for 26 homers. You get a catcher that can do that. And a catcher, by the way, who has a gold glove to his name and is, is one of the better defensive catchers. Uh, probably the the second best at throwing, at throwing out base runners in Major League Baseball. Uh, Sean Murphy is every bit as advertised. I <laughs> I don't want to say he's meeting my expectations because my expectations will never be to say, okay, you're the best at your position in Major League Baseball. Congratulations, you are meeting my expectations. But I, it's kind of what was advertised. So I, I meeting my expectations because my expectations were for him to be one of the best, and he certainly is. I would say he's uh, exceeding my expectations. You know, you look at these power numbers, you know, last year he had 18 home runs, you know, through 60 games, he's already got 13 
Like, he's on pace to smash. His career home run, his average is way up. And, you know, like you said, he's a great defensive catcher, and that is probably the one of the best. I mean, you could argue I think it's the best position to have the best at, and Sean Murphy definitely is one of the best catchers. And I think they got him at – Great price, and I think Sean Murphy will be around Atlanta for a while, and I think this was a great move, and I would have never seen it coming. I can't lie. You know, I think that was a, a steal. I, I don't know how they did that, but that was a great trade, and Sean Murphy is making a lot of Braves fans happy, and they should be because he has been awesome this year. Yeah, Murphy signed a deal with Atlanta to keep him locked up to 2029. Wow. Um basically 15 million a year except for uh, next year where he'll make 9 million and again it just seems like a another great option by the way that 2029 is a team option so they can even get off of that if he ages poorly it'll be his age 34 season which i don't know if you want too many catchers beyond that at least not starting out of your molina was great sure uh but (laughs) he couldn't hit but uh, he was good (laughs) but you know a catcher that's going to wear and tear much quicker then the other other positions, yeah, I think he's clearly exceeded expectations. We did expect the defense part of it, so great defense. Okay, check. That's just meeting the expectation because it has been really good. But uh, as TP alluded to, well on his way to uh, surpassing records there. And by the way, or his personal records, by the way, he's not even played as many games. Like he played 148 for Oakland last year. So he only missed 14 games. He's already missed more than 14 games this year. He's missed 20. Some of that has been a little Darno sprinkled in. Some of that was that hamstring pull that Murphy had a couple weeks ago that missed, made him miss five or six more games and and that sort of thing. And I think he had one other small injury earlier in the year. So he's not even going to play as many games as he did in Oakland last year, yet he'll probably set new home run and RBI records there. And I get it. It's a big ballpark over there, but still he's going to fly past it. And then they average too. So Murphy has been – even more than Atlanta could dream for, especially uh, at the plate. Let, let me give you guys – I'm going to give you guys one of each. You want Rosario, Brant? Want to uh, do a Rosario one? Uh, I can do a Rosario one. We'll go, we're going to give you Rosario, TP. You look like you don't want Ozuna. No, I, I would love <laughs> Do you want, <laughs> do you want Michael Harris? Have, no, I'd love to have Ozuna. Okay, you want some Ozuna, and I'll do yeah. some Michael Harris. All right, here you go. Brant, what you got for Rosario? For Rosario, I I don't know if it's because I'm just so blinded by uh, what he did to the Dodgers a couple of years ago, but Eddie Rosario's been a little under my expectations. 269, that's not a bad batting average. It's it's above league average, but 13 home runs, that's you know decent power on pace for 20 homers. That's You're a good player, but I don't know. I really wanted Eddie Rosario to be just this tank out in left field, and he's... <laughs> He's been just a good player, you know, and and again, those are probably unfair to him. It speaks to how good the Braves are that my expectations are as high as they are that this guy's hitting 270 and on pace for just just shy of 30 homers and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, it could be better. I will say this, his 162 average, it's hilarious. He's tracking so close. His 162 average is for 26 homers, 86 RBIs. He's on pace for 26 homers and 74 RBIs. So the RBI department there. Also, he's a career 270 hitter. He's hitting 269. Like he could yeah. not be like more on target for his career. Average. Yeah, this is this is who he is. This is the player he is, and it's a good player. Yeah, but it's absolutely. just when he hit like 750 in the National League <laughs> Divisional Series, I expected him or was it, it, off, champion, yeah. championship series? Excuse yeah. me, I. 
I expected him to, you know. Hey, at least like he you can say, see again because it didn't he, go great when he couldn't yeah, see. Oh, my goodness. I, imagine trying to play baseball when you can't right. see what you're swinging at. Right. TP, Ozuna. Marcel Ozuna. From the Braves. I, Ozuna from the Braves <laughs> has well exceeded my expectation <laughs> because let me explain this. If you would have asked me back in April – what do you think Ozuna's going to be doing in June? I would say, I don't think Ozuna's going to be with the Braves, let alone yeah, Waiting doing, tables. Yeah, I, he may be waiting. To, he may be with the... Um, he was hitting 085 as a designated hitter 30 games into the season. <laughs> I was. I personally, I, I'll fully admit this, I was ready to string him up. <laughs> yeah, that, you wouldn't be the first. I thought, you know, he may be a Montgomery biscuit by this point, but... <laughs> And now he's batting. He turned it around from batting below 100. He has a 251 average, which is way better than last year and the year before. He is hitting it really well. He's hitting home runs. He's getting some RBIs. But here's the stat that you won't see much on the box score, and that is the walks. He already has 27 walks this year. Last year he had 31. In 2021, granted, it was 48 games. He only had 19. But in 2020, he had 38. He is walking. He is seeing the ball. He is disciplined. He is he's playing really good baseball. And like I said, that was not the case in April whenever it was laughable. He was getting booed in San Diego. He was getting booed in the and not for a good reason. Like not not just because it's a visitor. Like he was it was really, really bad. And he really made it. He was he was faced with a crossroads of either falling down the track and just probably getting DFA'd. And Coming back and he's being still really alive. Strong. He is he is still still doing great, and he's probably gonna you know he'll he'll be with Atlanta next year at this rate, what, and, and that's great. The thing about Ozuna is one of the reasons that I was ready to get rid of him is because yes, he started this year poorly, but the year before, while it wasn't as bad as it was to begin this season, he still wasn't very good, and the year before that. He wasn't very good either. Now, in 2020, he was an all-star, but that was the COVID-shortened season. That was a, a much smaller sample size than we're used to seeing for full baseball season. So he had one good year that was shortened, and then he had two bad years, and then he started just one of the worst hitters in baseball, certainly pr probably 32 of 32 as far as designated hitters. Uh, and then in the month of May, he learned how to play baseball again, question mark. Uh, and and now he's one of the better DHs in the game for sure. I think he was batting like I think some part through May he was batting like a three thirty eight or something like that, like yeah. deep in the. I think May and June combined he's around three hundred for the last two months uh, combined now. But That's yeah, great. I I get yeah. I mean you guys said it. Um, I think he's met my expectation. I don't want to deep dive, and this was TP's one. He's met my expectation from a standpoint of. I just unless he was done with just completely done coming into the year, um, you still look at everything that he's averaged. Like he's had thirty home run power. Uh, he has had uh, years where he's hit two sixty, two seventy, two eighty. For me, in my mind, I expected him to either be done, which is what it was trending towards for a month, or to return to this. Like I didn't think there was an in between because they weren't going to let him just can be kind of bad all year long. I don't think, and so he's on pace for 32 homers. He's up to 251. The on base percentage is an important part. The on base is 332, which is slightly above his career average. And so, in a way, he's met my expectations, which I know it seems like oh yeah, it's it's clear exceed. But like also, I wasn't as low as as some, and at the same time, like. 
that 50 game or 60 game sample that the pace he was on that year would have been ungodly it would have been like <laughs> it would have been like 50 homers and 150 RBIs and like Slight did you numbers. take the roids this year <laughs> so i'm like there's i don't know and the last thing i'll say about Zuna is the thing that made me hold out maybe too long although i guess it ended up for the for the best but he hit 300 in spring so it's like he seemed like he did give a damn, and it seemed like he did come into the season actually, tr- you know, understanding there needed to be a good year. And if he didn't give a damn, I feel like he would just been hitting two hundred in spring, and nothing's going to change, and that sort of thing. So it felt like more of a confidence thing in the first month than an ability thing because he had just hit three hundred the month before in spring training. And so it was why it was kind of so shocking to see him so bad. I mean, so bad for for a month. But horrendous. And again, it might turn back around. He might end up hitting 220 this year. I don't know. But uh, he is on 32 home run pace, and he's needed to do this. Where Darno would be hitting DH every single day. By the way, too. Uh, my short spiel on M- Money Mike. I think overall, it's met my expectations this year. I think it's been to two very maybe maybe extremes because I did not think he would be hitting 160 through about 40 or 50 games. I also did not think he'd raise his average 100 points in like 20 games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, so like those are two huge extremes. He's up to 266 on the year, but I didn't expect him to hit 300 in a sophomore year. I expected something to be a little off as the league figured him out a little bit. Just a sophomore slump. Yeah, just a, just a little bit of something. And so he's now meeting my expectations because, you know, last year he hit just under 300. He's in the 260, so I expected a slight drop-off. The home runs are about a little a little shorter, again, or a little smaller. He hit near 20 last year in 114 games. Basically, he's played half 114 games this year because he has missed some time. He did have an injury, and that is a part of it. So, I again, you could say he's underneath expectations because clearly his numbers are not as good as last year, but I did expect some regression. Year three is what's going to tell me if Michael Harris is destined to be an all-star caliber player for a lot of years or not. But I'm proud of him for for stepping up, and, and, and who knows? He might keep going up. He might hit 300 this year. I mean, the way he's going, he might be at 300 in, in three weeks. I mean, he's just he's been red hot. So, hit part of it for him too is that he's only played 58 games because he missed nearly a month of time. I mean, they played 80, so he's missed 22 games. So, we also got to keep that in mind, and that's why the average is going up so much. We have time for one or two pitchers. All right, uh, real quickly, let's go with Strider because the answer would have been obvious like a month ago, but then he's had a really bad June, and so. Want to go with? It's not going to exceed expectations, but is it still? I guess did you expect him to struggle a little bit, or did you expect him to kind of start just firing two ERAs from here on out? I, I, I obviously you can't expect a guy to come in and just you know have have two fifty and which you know we'll get to the guy who does in a minute. But Strider has been incredible. He's nine and two. He's got a three seventy three ERA. When you have a guy who is a two-pitch guy, and and I understand that Strider's working on that changeup, but for, effectively at the moment, he is a two-pitch guy for the Braves, uh, that fastball and that slider, and if one of those is just not, is just a little bit off, then you're going to get hit hard, especially if if your trick is that you throw 100 and you locate it well, and you stop locating it well, major league hitters are going to turn around a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. So on days where he just doesn't quite have it, 
it makes sense that he's getting hit hard. I think adding, I think getting better with that changeup is going to help a lot. I think if he wanted to try and add something with a, maybe a curveball or something, something else with movement on it, uh, I think that would help him a ton. But right now, I'm going to go with meeting expectations. He does still lead Major League Baseball in in strikeouts, and that's always going to be good. My my biggest complaint about Strider is always going to be. How efficient can he be? It's very rare that he gets past the fifth. Now, those five innings are usually spectacular, uh, but he's he's usually butting up against 100 by the end of the fifth inning. So my thing with him is, can you be a little more efficient? Can you get more consistent control? And, you know, maybe add, maybe get better at that third pitch, maybe add a fourth one if you feel like you need to. Uh, but right now I'm going to go with he's meeting my expectations. I'm. This is gonna be one of the few times that I'm gonna disagree. I would say that he is, he is, um, he is slipped below my expectations. Is what I meant to say. And I know he's got a nine and two record, and he is a That's, yeah. He is a great pitcher. Don't get it wrong. But the ERA, the spy. I mean, you last year he was two point six seven. This year he's at a three point seven three. I know he leads the league in strikeouts, and that is great. But the problem is, whenever he's not striking it out, it seems that they are getting contact on the ball, and they are able to hit it and put up runs, and I know he's, and you know, it's a sophomore slump, like we are just talking about with Michael Harris, you know, it's a sophomore slump, and it happens, and it's nothing that's, you know, it's nothing groundbreaking that, you know, this happens, and he's still got a lot of time to turn it around, and you know, he's not even doing that bad, you know, it's just as expect the expectations sure. for Spencer Strider are just so high, because he is legit one of the best young pitchers in MLB, so I will say that he is... Uh, not meeting my expectations whenever it comes to the runs, but his strikeouts are about, you know, they, they are exceeding. But it's kind of like with Matt Olson. You kind of have to go back to that where, you know, you that you gain something, but you lose something. So I would say that he is slightly below my expectation. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at the stats, and I'm talking about Strider's efficiency. He's second on the Braves in innings pitched this year. Well, th- there's a caveat there. No. Yeah, Matt, some starting pitchers have been hurt, yes. Yes. I mean, there's only five to pull from. Right. Granted, one has flipped anyway because Schuster has not been good enough to stay with the team the whole time. So they've tried to flip that sometimes anyway. So you're really only competing with, with Elder and Morton, yeah. to be fair. so And Morton, I, I assume Elder's the one that leads the team. Yeah, in, in. Eld, Elder's got 96 flats. Uh, Strider has 92, 91, and a, 91 and two-thirds. Right. Easy for me to say. And Charlie comes in third with 85. And so and I will back you up, too. And I, I did math while you were talking, and his average is five and two-thirds a start. I mean, he is having yeah. trouble finishing a sixth inning. And that's becoming the trend, unfortunately, in Major League Baseball. He's not the only one. But but nevertheless, yeah, I mean, you're only getting five to six innings out of him every start, even on his better ones. Here's the stat that concerns me most and why I think he's below expectations, is that 131 innings last year, he only allowed seven homers with all that velocity. Mm-hmm. This year, 91 and two-thirds. He's already allowed 13. So he's already doubled up basically the home runs in 40 less innings. And obviously that's part of the reason the ERA is up and that sort of thing. And I, and I think, again, I don't want to say sharp blow. I'm not going to sit out here and be like, yeah, I just thought Stryer would just fire 2.0s every year. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I guess I'm a little surprised that the fastball has been getting hit out of the park like it right. has. Because, again – it felt like from coming from a smaller guy, that 97, 98 felt, felt like 100. It felt like it even had a couple more miles per hour. And that's why he's striking so many people out because he's not the only guy to throw 96, 97 in average on his fastball, although that is top 5% of the league for, for starters. But it is that 
it feels so explosive coming from a smaller guy like that. A lot of guys are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", on the mound, and so he's still on the smaller end of things, yet he's on the faster end of things. And so it feels so explosive uh, out of there. We're basically out of time now for the show. Um, we're going to do one quick – I don't know. Let me. I want. I want to do the one that's a little more debatable because I think Bryce Elder's a, a raging success, and I don't think anyone's going to yeah. uh, be surprised <laughs> about that. What do you think of Morton, real quickly this mm. year? That's a tough one. Morton, uh, I I love Charlie, but I feel like the expectation for him now is give up two or three runs, give up hopefully Stay no more than two runs over five or six innings. It's kind of. What Strider has become has kind of been the expectation for Charlie. And credit to him, he's 39 years old and he's still going out there and starting games. But the expectation wasn't that high. I'm going to say he's meeting them right now, but my expectations for him are not super high. Uh, And I feel like if Soroka does end up coming back, again, he's getting his third start of the year tonight against the Marlins. Uh, If he comes back and is as effective as he used to be pre-injury, then Charlie... uh, I'm not going to say that the Braves will kick him to the curb, but uh, he may fall out of the everyday rotation. Well, there's a there's a twenty million dollar team option next year, which yeah. is going to be difficult yeah. to pick up unless unless the Braves don't feel like any of these options have worked out, like Soroka, Schuster, um, if Colby Allard somehow works out, like if none of those guys end up working out, then I can see them picking up Morton again. Go ahead, TP, real quick. I mean, you could say that. I mean, if you look at the number standpoint, yeah, he's doing better than last year. But like you said, he is 39 years old. I mean, like, did did we really think he'd be, you know, back in a sense like to where, I mean, his career numbers aren't, you know, they're around the threes, the fours. I mean, like, it's just getting up there with age. And unless you're like Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, who have, I mean, you know, they've struggled as well. But, you know, historically speaking, you know, they were really good at their age. And I know Charlie's in – I think Verlander are basically the same age. But I'm just saying that um, he's about what I expected. You know, it's nothing nothing against him. You know, it's just that, you know, Father Time is undefeated. And I think it is getting – it is inching closer to Charlie Morton's playing career. Look, I'll say this. Although Morton is not some tremendous pitcher that is just, you know, going to wow people. I think he's at least meeting expectations, maybe bordering on exceeding them. And let me pitch you why. I don't know why I felt like that needed to be so sales oriented. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, I have this used car. Sell me this, this pen. Yeah. It's got it's got uh, it's got no damage from the previous two incidents that we didn't tell you about. Um, so Morton's thirty nine. He's got a three point eight six ERA. You know who's thirty eight has a three point eight seven ERA this year? Verlander, Max Scherzer. Oh wow! Mm. And so I look. Am I taking Max Scherzer? Hundred percent. Would rather have Max uh-huh. Scherzer. Not trying to start anything. Like you sure? <laughs> but what I'm saying is Morton productivity wise is in line yeah. with a guy similar to his age, but has won multiple Cy Youngs. And and Morton is still pitching right around his career ERA of four. Yeah. And so I think he's doing exactly what the Braves would hope. Like he's not going to give seven shutout innings, but he's also not going to go, oh, hey, look at this three inning, 
five run outing that he's had four straight times. You know, like he's yeah. he's clearly still competent. There's not a bunch of duds in there. Just not a bunch of ace type starts. So I think he's achieving his purpose. It might not be as special because you, you're really lacking other than Elder, someone that's just been tremendous because you haven't gotten to see Freed or Wright this year. So you're like, oh, can someone else step up? Why can't Morton had a few years with Houston and Tampa? Why why can't he? Well, he's is a million years old almost, but <laughs> but in baseball terms, but he's been fine. Again, in the realm of big league pitching, he's somewhere in the middle. But I think that's what he was expected to be. And at age thirty nine, I wouldn't expect much more out of out of him. So I think he's done a fair job. You got to you you bring valid points to that. Uh, I, I, to to argue more in favor of Charlie Morton, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I saw the other day. I think his. His swing and miss rate on his curveball is, I think, either best or second yeah. best in all of baseball right now. He's got, I think, 102 strikeouts in the year. So he's still on 200 strikeout pace at age 39. Yeah. So, I mean, that again, that still is very solid. kind of what he's known to do, and he's still doing a good job at it. Real quickly, a nightly TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, 6 o'clock, National Treasure on FX. 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon, Hotel Transylvania. 6 o'clock on TNT, Transformers. you got to pick one of those three. Or Absolutely. if not, or 7 o'clock at HBO, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I've heard that one's good. I've not That's, seen uh, it. Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. Yep. Okay. And I've heard, I confused I've heard it with Oblivion. And I watched Oblivion. I'm like, this is not what people said it was. And I realized that I got the title wrong. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed Oblivion immensely. It was great. I loved it immensely. You watched a movie with the wrong, like, wrong title. Like, you thought well, it was something. Well, else? I, no, I thought, no, I thought that it was what people had described as somebody oh, else. And then I okay. started watching. Like, this is not what people described. And then I remembered, oh, it was Edge of Tomorrow, not Oblivion, because they're both like futuristic type of deals. And anyway, I've still not seen Edge of Tomorrow, so maybe I'll check that out seven o'clock on HBO. And then the one. Sports pick for you today, 620 on Valley Sports Southeast, the Atlanta Braves, Miami Not Marlins. so fast. There uh, is Canadian football as well. Well, the only thing on our nightly TV guide <laughs> is Atlanta Braves <laughs> and Miami Marlins at 620 on Valley Sports Southeast. And the, uh, the Braves and Marlins have an important series. Marlins six games back in second place in the NL East. That will do it for the show day. TP, good to have you on, sir. And uh, we'll As see you always. again next week. You've been doing a great job. And we'll keep, just keep it up, man. Yes, sir. Thank you all. And uh, Brant Daughtry, thank you for being on the show today as well. Have a great weekend, sir. And we'll see you again on Monday. Thank you for having me. And that will do it for the show today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry, T.P. Hammock, and Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.